This is the Michael Lated Show. It is Monday, which means it's podcast day, and this is episode number 12. We got very special guest in the house tonight here in the studio, Gavin Barrett. Please give it up. And we're live. What's happening? Much, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I didn't want to screw your theme song up there. I was very careful. Not oh, to. thanks. Yeah, I gave you a fair warning. <laughs> this is you were a little bit intimidated, maybe. <laughs> How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Good. It's it. So it was a nice day. Like, mean, like after three days of fog and cold. Yeah. We got spoiled this summer, too. We did. We did. So nice. Yeah, it's been incredible. Mm. Do you ice baths in the in the in the summer then too? You know, no, I do ice cold showers, but I haven't cold done showers. any ice baths. Okay, how how when did you start with cold showers, and why? Would have been uh, a few years ago, just here in Wim Hof when I kind of heard about his work and mm. got into his stuff and started doing the ice showers first, and then the, uh, the ice baths, and then a couple years ago we started going to. The cascades in the winter time or in the fall time before it froze over yeah. and started doing weekly swims there and weekly swims what does that mean you jump in the water yeah yeah, yeah. like just like that just like that you just go there and we a few times we go there and do the wim hof breathing first and and uh what does that mean the wim hof breathing is it's a the wim hof technique is um did he come up with this or didn't he steal it from somebody? It's not. I think he kind of <laughs> repurposed it for mass consumption yeah. kind of thing. And, okay. And, uh, he translated it. Yeah. Yeah. He's it comes like, from a, a tradition called Tumo from mm. the from the Himalayas. And, yeah. And it's, um, so it's 30 um, kind of hyperventilations. So fully in and then just let go. That's his, that's his instruction is fully in and let it go. So fully inhale and then passive exhale. And so you're, and you're going fast at a real, good clip and mm. do 30 to 40 breaths okay and then after your last breath you exhale fully and then you hold your breath mm. and it's it'll it's surprising how long you can hold your breath mm. but the reason being is because you've blown off all your carbon dioxide mm. and carbon dioxide is what tells your brain that you need to breathe so it's not a lack of oxygen that tells you, you need to breathe if you hold your breath it's not because your oxygen levels are falling but it's mm. because your carbon dioxide is rising mm. and it talks to your respiratory center in your brainstem and that's what tells your diaphragm to breathe through your phrenic nerve anyway so you breathe off all your co2 and then you hold is your th- breath is that true though like if you hypervalent why would you have less co2 in your body if you breathe faster because you're expelling you're expelling more so that's Okay, so you overall the level they say the body can let's cope with twenty percent of whatever, right? right? And then if you do this, then it goes down to ten, and then you have like a little bit of a gap where you go back from ten to twenty. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So it, it um, the the main driver of of respiration, mm. like you know, when you're not thinking about breathing, your brain's still breathing, your body's still breathing for Always. you, and the the rate, like how fast you breathe and the depth of your breath is dictated by carbon dioxide, basically the pH of your blood. So there's uh, chemoreceptors in your brainstem that are constantly measuring the pH of your blood and mm-hmm. the CO2 concentration. And once they reach a certain threshold, it signals your diaphragm to, to ventilate, to, to go down and come back up, to 
take in air and blow off CO2. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how it, it keeps your blood in that narrow pH of 7.365 to 7.4. Oh, it's so, so, so specific. Yeah, yeah. Your wow. body doesn't like to be outside that at all. So any, anything lower is mm-hmm. acidic. What does happen then? Um, if, you're, if you're holding your breath, like say, you, say for example, someone has a, a drug overdose, mm. like a fentanyl overdose, and they stop breathing, they're, they're not blowing off any CO2. They're, all their cells in their body are still producing hydrogen ions because of the cellular metabolism. Yeah. And it's accumulating in the blood and they're becoming more acidic. Mm. And that's called uh, respiratory acidosis, very dangerous. And then if you blow off, say you hyperventilate, like doing the Wim Hof stuff, you're blowing off all your CO2. Now you're breathing faster. And because the, the concentration of CO2 in your lungs is what dictates the concentration of CO2 in your blood. Okay. So if you're blowing off all the CO2 from your lungs, mm. you're, dropping, you're dropping the CO2 level, which is increasing the pH of your blood. It becomes more mm. basic, right? More alkaline. And so that's a respiratory alkalosis. So because... Is there a benefit to that? Yeah. So the, it's an interesting technique. And um, so I don't do it a lot. I was I was doing it a lot before. So the the when you're blowing off all your CO two, it takes away that impulse to breathe. So you can hold your breath, you know, in, in the first session. So you usually do three to five rounds of, of that kind of breathing, and you'll notice if you time your breath hold, it'll probably go from like maybe the first time is a minute and a half, and then two minutes, and then three minutes becomes until you in it'll be three minutes before you feel like you need to breathe. And it's, it's pretty surprising, but that's because it's taken that your carbon dioxide level in your blood mm-hmm. that much time to climb back up and Come tell your brain, up. okay, we yeah. got to breathe. But while you're holding your breath, even though your CO2 is slowly rising and it hasn't told you to breathe yet, your oxygen saturation in your blood is dropping. And it, so I've done it at, uh, at work on the ambulance mm. with the... Yeah, um, they measure it like 99 or they don't want to go you under 90 or something. Yeah, yeah, usually yeah, anything below 92, they say, mm. is, is hypoxic kind of thing. So doing the, the Wim Hof technique with a pulse oximeter on my finger, that my, my oxygen saturation in my blood will go below 50 and it just stops reading. It just says below 50. Like, <laughs> and then, yeah, so that... He is dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that level of hypoxia is really difficult to achieve any other way like even free divers so that and there's a there's a um there's a risk of unconsciousness when you're doing that that's Mm. why they always say never do it in a pool like it's very different from free diving breathing like free divers they can hold their breath for minutes at a time and and dive down to like 800 feet but it's it's a different a different kind of a training so that what seems to be the value of the wim hof technique is that profound hypoxia is a major sympathetic stress for your body. So it's a hypoxia is a stressor, and your brain, your body releases um, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and it it antagonizes the immune system. So it's a, it's an immune stressor, you know, and that's why people with autoimmune conditions and um, and anxiety, all kinds of, of conditions have have seen major benefits doing that that Wim Hof technique. So you're you're purposely putting your body into a, a sympathetic state, yes, which is like the fight or flight, okay, the fight or flight side of the okay. autonomic nervous system. And you do that before you jump into the ice cold water. Yeah, I, I've done it a few times. I played around, I played around with it, but um, mostly I just run run down there and jump in. And yeah, you wait it all? Up. No, you just go in. Yeah, I just go in. You it's just, easier just to. Yeah. Yeah, just to yeah. gear down. Yeah, not f- knees first, a little bit lower, it's, more. No, it's way worse. It's <laughs> way worse doing that. So the only instruction we give um, when people are, are jumping is is to breathe through your nose because there's just something about opening your mouth 
and you'll get that panic breathing that like that. It just seems to escalate and then you just can't stay with it. But if you jump in and you just, your only focus is make sure you keep breathing through your nose. You can breathe slower and you can just kind of connect you with it. You can control it better. Totally. Okay. Totally. You yeah. can experience. And then it's a, it's an interesting experience rather than like, otherwise the water just pushes you out. Mm-hmm. But if you can breathe through your nose, you can, kind of calm things and just kind of lean into the experience more and, and uh, yeah. get more out of it. And it's yeah, massive benefits. What's the benefit of it? Um, I don't know. Do you just feel like, awake suddenly? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like the first thing, right? Mentally, I found it um, like, yeah, very, get a lot of, a lot of clarity from it, but that it's just a perfect example of leaning into discomfort, you know? And, and that seems to be, I kind of have a theory about human health and, and why um, we've got such a problem with, with chronic health. Mm. You know, why people are just so sick in general, you know, and getting sicker every year. It's, it, being in the, in the healthcare field, like it, I've been there for 10 years and it's, yeah. it's gotten worse and worse. It's hard to see, right? It is. It is, you know. But I think that the, the conditions, kind of the external conditions that, under which we live they're so far removed from how we evolved as a species mm. you know like the like y- you think about how you know if you were living outside back in the hunter-gatherer days right like you had to regulate your your temperature like your your body was forced to um, exercise those regulatory mechanisms mm. all the time to keep you warm you'd go through periods where you didn't have food so you'd experience that yeah. fasted state right and they were very insulin sensitive and and uh but now Everything's temperature controlled. Um, everything, you know, food is always readily available. We're always eating. Like we never, we're always in a fed state, you know. Everything is designed so it's easy on the body. Right. You drive a car. Yeah. Yeah. You, you take the elevator. Right. Your skateboard's electric. Yeah. The, the skateboard is electric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that's... Wouldn't have wanted any other way, specifically for a skateboard. No, I'm with you on that one. Man. Because I can break. Yeah. I Go know. downhills. Yeah. yeah. I feel so much more in control. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like with another, just if it's a regular skateboard, I yeah. don't, I don't do it. Yeah. No, I'm jealous. That, that's what that was. Mm. You uh, should install some on yours. Yeah. Just go and deck it out. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, so. Like, because it's really, dogs don't like it. They're going to go nuts. But dogs don't like it? No, because of the frequency. Oh, really? The engine is like a high pitched, um, I show you later afterwards. Yeah. I put yeah. it on and, yeah, yeah, but it's like really high pitched frequency, okay. and I think it's very loud for them. Really, yeah. So you get chased by dogs all over. No, yeah. Well, they they bark at me. Okay, but that's cool. Yeah. I just keep going. <laughs> it goes like thirty two clicks. Always wear a helmet. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. I like. I've been pretty good. Like sometimes um, when I get faster, then I go down on. I'm more into an aerodynamic position. Right. Where I put the um, arms behind the back and then just lean forward. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Skeleton. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I have, like, I have a really good helmet on. Cool. But, you know, if you if you would lose it, you would still get pretty good banged up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing. Yeah. No, no, you're... I just, I once jumped off and I was, like, not even going fast and I could barely keep up putting my feet in front of right, the other right. to stay up yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was good yeah, cool man but i you know you you get used to it and then if you control yourself you'll be fine yeah 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 no i i, I want one yeah i had uh i used to get my dogs to pull me all the time i got the 
chess harness. I saw them. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah for the kitty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For the kid. Yeah. yeah. Before we used to go, and we had foster dogs at one time. So, mm. and we had uh, one was a kind of had a lot of husky in it, and so I had all three of them pulling me. Oh, but that three one huskies. Oh, that yeah, that one was. Uh, you know, I didn't know her as well. And so we were ripping down the bike trails at chapels. And I believe that. And saw a squirrel or something and just cut right across all three of them. And, and uh, I was able to just kind of dive mm. for the grass, you know. Yeah. I was just lucky there was grass. <laughs> just got there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used to have this black lab. And we actually we actually bought him in uh, Canada on one of our trips. We were still living in Germany. Yeah. And my the way we picked him was he peed on my dad's shoe. So you knew it was one. Said, this is it. This and is then it. we bought, well, they bought them. And my sister was like, I'm going to take care of this dog because it was like her dog, right? Her yeah. thing. All right. And then we, that flight from, I think it was Calgary, no, Edmonton, somewhere mid-Canada back to Munich and then from Munich, another connection to another city. So it was a decent time. Mm-hmm. And our dog was black. But when he came out of the box, he was brown. <laughs> Really? <laughs> you got a different dog? You no, know, because he, there was so much shit. Oh, no. Yeah, because, you know. It was it's, so long. So long. Oh, no. no. You know, you give him some relaxing. Poor and guy. You, yeah, but whatever. But did, it's he just, hate, did he hate boxes he, after that? He came out of the box and he wanted to hug everybody. And we <laughs> just ran away. <laughs> just, we're just like, no. And he's just like, what's going on? Your dog needed counseling right out of the box. Yeah. No, he's like, he was an animal. Like he ran once into a car from like, because he was very like, you know, that moment when you have a dog and you unleash him in front of your house and you look at him and say, sit. And then you see the dog realizing the leash is off. Yeah. That one moment. Yeah. And he just takes off. That was him. Yeah. He was smart. <laughs> he ran into that car. He dented the car. And then he just kept going. Like the door was dented. Really? Yeah. Wow. We had good insurance for that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and his name was Shadow. It's a good name for a black lab. It was beautiful. Yeah. Such a nice animal. Yeah. Yeah, that's my dog story. One of them. I miss him. But, you know, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, it's dogs, man. Yeah. Okay. So you do the ice bathing. You breathe a little bit. The Wim Hof, he's like the super famous ultra dude who was in Tibet for three, four, five years, and then they didn't give him all the secrets, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. He doesn't talk about his uh, where he came up with it. I think he wants because a lot of these techniques, I think, have their kind of origin in yoga and and kind of Buddhist traditions. Mm. And I think he wanted to stay away from any kind of dogma, you know. And and um, so I think it's it's by design that he doesn't talk about the. The origins, I don't think it's because he's um, irreverent or he's um, like he, he doesn't respect where they came from. I think it's just to make a, just to stay away from any kind of spiritual dogma or, or whatever. Mm. But like he's, he's, his whole message is, is to be, um, you know, have autonomy over your physiology and that there's ways you can influence, you know, the deepest level of your physiology, like the autonomic nervous system used to be thought, well, it still is kind of treated as if we have no influence over it. That's your, your sympathetic and your parasympathetic. Uh, you mean the unconsciousness, like these under system? Yeah. What do you mean? So it's, it's your nervous system that kind of, it manages your body's physiology. So your fight or flight system is 
you know, primarily responds to threat. So you, you think about a, a, an animal and it's kind of natural habitat, right? When things are, <clears throat> when things are calm and they're around their family and everything's safe, they'd be more parasympathetic. So that's when, um, you know, blood comes out away from your skeletal muscles because you don't need to run anywhere. Mm-hmm. It goes to your digestion stuff. Changes happen in your inner ear mm-hmm. so that you can hear um, more frequencies of, of voice. That's why like sing-songy voices are so soothing to children. It's, it's, uh, and a whole bunch of things happen. Your pupils. Interesting. Yeah. Your pupils dilate. And, uh, and then if say a bear comes busted into your camp or something, yeah. you're quickly going to go into sympathetic, which is, it's called sympathetic because it works with the emotions, like from the Greek or whatever. But so that's your fight or flight system. So that's going to shunt blood away from your non-vital organs to your, your skeletal system. Mm. Pupils are going to constrict to kind of narrow your field of vision and breathing focus goes on up. one thing. Breathing goes up yeah. and it's just, it's getting ready. It's mobilizing energy to keep you alive in that moment. Yeah. But so those are the two kind of poles of the autonomic. Is- is it all? Is this almost like uberhuman? Like you get more power than you usually have? Like there's this moment where people are in extreme situations and they are, they do something they would normally not be able to do. Is that like because the system is so strongly pushed in that moment? Probably, yeah, yeah. Just massive, massive dumps of um, catecholamines they call them, like the mm-hmm. epinephrine and or adrenaline, the same thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You and you're. It's it's all about mobilizing energy. So it's going to raise your blood sugar. It's going to mobilize um, stores to cortisol, boost your blood sugar up. So it's it's all to get you moving and to keep you keep you safe. To, and then, so but we're only designed to do that for short periods, right? You deal with the immediate threat, and then you're supposed to come back down. So those are kind of the two poles. But that that autonomic system is constantly regulating every system in your in your body, and it the whole goal of it is to match your internal level of arousal to the demands of your environment so mm-hmm. if everything's safe you should be able to kind of come back down and chill out you know mm-hmm. and then if if say some somebody comes in you have to defend yourself you should be able to mm-hmm. you know ramp it up and and deal with the situation and then come back down so we're designed to live in a big window of of um autonomic arousal is what they call it right so parasympathetic is the is the calm chill you're digesting your food you're, you're able to you're doing podcast you're doing podcast you sit here that's right that's right yeah. and then if you can chill out then you can ramp it up when it's time to when it's required you mm. should be able to, to go up are you able to ramp it up more if you work out more i think so okay i think that's my whole theory like just going into the purposely going into physical discomfort leaning into to things that are uncomfortable mm. just makes you a more robust human being you know and I, i i think the problem with the problem with modern society is that that window gets shrunk to like you know we never fully chill out mm. we never have you know life-threatening kind of situations that require us to yeah, to go up high it's so like we, traffic somebody cuts you off and it's really close and then you sit there and your heart rate goes up like a minute later yeah yeah and you're just like yeah totally and that that's so interesting because you know Those systems, the same systems that were designed to keep us safe from lions are the same ones that like, you know, if your boss yells at you at work, mm. it's, that's the reason you're still angry three hours later, or you still have that, that mm. fight or flight response. There's, there's no physical threat, but for us, the, the social consequences of, uh, your boss yelling at you feels like a, a threat to your brain. You know? Yeah. Can you control it with your mentally, with the Can, brain or only through breathing? That's what's, that's what's real interesting about the breathing is because it's a, 
with your breath, it's, it's just a, such a powerful lever to influence systems that are normally outside of our control. Like you can't, well, maybe some people can, but, um, you know, you can't control your heart rate. Like you can't think your heart rate slower, but by breathing at a rate of like six breaths a minute in the nose diaphragmatically, you can, your, six your times heart rate, a minute. Yeah. That's kind of, that seems to be the sweet spot for wow. how, um, how far does it go down the heart rate then the heart rate. Yeah. Like what's your resting heart rate? I uh, usually in the fifties, kind of low fifties or something. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah mine, mine is like uh fifty five, sixty. Yeah, yeah. When when I used to do a little bit more running about a year or a half ago, it was lower. Right, goes to forty nine sometimes, but when I, you're sleeping, it probably goes a lot lower. Could be, but yeah. I don't. I I have this watch, but I take it off because it's so big. Yeah, because it's <laughs> it would it, like it has a sleep tracking and whatever. Okay, yeah. But I'm 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 good. Yeah, and as long as I know where my heart rate is when I train, and then I I can recap the day and see what's right. like. I I look for the lowest heart rate and I look for like the highest heart rate. Okay, how do you do it? Uh, I don't really do the heart rate when I'm training, but um, how come? I don't know. I'm the same way. I I have a hard time wearing stuff when I'm mm. when I'm. Uh, is it because you more listen to your body, like internally, you know what's going on? You have that experience, maybe. I think uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm fascinated with all the HRV technology like that so that heart rate variability you know like on your watch it probably has that it is a laser and then it's like shooting laser into your skin yeah and then <laughs> what, does it give you a score in the morning like how uh, how hard you should train does it give you any indication uh it that? tells me my training level after i have complete my okay. exercise yeah yeah so today because i i moved i did i took two days off on cardio right And uh, I moved a lot of shit around in the house because we were working on some project. Yeah. And then I had no more energy. Yes. Yeah. I exhausted myself. And then today I did cardio and my wife was like, oh, you're it's, training the last little while has been light. And then I did, <laughs> I scored a nice score, whatever. And then it's yeah. up to optimum green. Cool. Yeah. But the thing is, so if you, if you've taken off two, three weeks and you mm -hmm. start in and you do your training, how you do it. Right. It goes over the top, like right into red. Yeah, but even, yeah, that's interesting. But like, I I can like I'm the opposite with this training thing. I right. I can listen to my body now. Right. Heart rate wise, I still like to see where I am. Yeah, yeah, cool. Because I I know when my body tweaks somewhere. Right, I should take the next day off. Yeah, but it took a while to learn that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's the meathead in all of us. Hey, eh? we just want to push. Yeah. But that that green zone. I don't know that green zone, red zone stuff like for for recovery which is so neat why there's so much technology to show you that mm. it's measuring your heart rate variability which is when you inhale pressure changes in your in your thorax and your chest they change kind of the blood dynamics so your your sympathetic nervous system acts on your heart to speed up your heart rate a little bit mm. so as you inhale that pressure changes your heart rate should speed up and then as you exhale and that pressure goes down and your parasympathetic acts on your heart to slow your heart rate down Ooh. Yeah, so, and that's that. That's like a never-ending circle. Yeah, man, and that's the autonomic nervous system moving. So it's always trying to match your the your internal balance to your to your environment because, it, so it's it's fascinating because when you're, so when you're real recovered, you should have a, a lot of heart rate variability. So your heart rate should, should go up quite a bit when you inhale and go down quite a bit when you exhale. So that's, that's good heart rate variability. Mm. So that'd be a green zone day. That's when your watch or whatever device is going to tell you today is a good day to push hard. But if you've been, you know, you're emotionally stressed, you're underslept, maybe your nutrition's off, you've been training way too hard, 
then if you're in the red zone, it's going to have not as your, your heart rate's not going to change much going, going when you inhale and not going to drop much when you exhale. So that means your nervous system is not responding to the changes in your environment because it's stressed out because it's stressed out. Okay. Yeah. And, and your body just needs time to, to recover. So what, whatever that is for you. And then you come back, you know, take a couple of days off, you come back and you're back in the green. And if you want to adapt to training, you need to recover. Like everybody knows that, right? We stress the system, we overload it. What? And we then take we, days off? <laughs> <laughs> and we come back and this will that if if you're if you're operating in the red zone, you're not gonna have much room for adaptation to whatever kind of training you're you're doing. Yeah. Do you do you feel that yourself now? Do you feel like yeah. when you know you have to take a day off? I do, yeah. Before you take another training on and you're like, Oh, I can't produce or you you feel it before? Uh, usually I get injured and then I know. <laughs> <laughs> still eh you no know, i'm getting better i'm okay. getting a lot better okay but you know what i do uh I've, i started juggling in the last year yes and um, i saw that that's impressive yeah thanks man and, and you it, do a video too like you speak you, you explain things yeah i love it man and it's it's a real it's a great barometer for where my my nervous system's at i know when i'm overtrained because my juggling is shit you know i how come Isn't it like you think about it and you catch the balls and then you toss it, or you think it's like auto autonomous? Like, yeah, I mean that it's such a perfect example of um, automaticity, right? You're automizing, you're automatizing um, a skill. So when I first tried to juggle three balls, there's no way. Mm. But you know, you start throwing one ball, catching it, and mastering that one throw, then you use two balls, right? And you you slowly add complexity on. So you do enough reps with two balls that it's automatic, and then you can add a third ball. Now I'm thinking again, I'm still dropping them. I do enough reps and now it becomes automatic. And that's that neuroplasticity. Your brain is changing to automate those tasks because you're doing it and your brain's like, hey, we better hardwire this in because he's doing this all the time. Yes. So this is actually, you would say the brain is still growing then? Something new? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah like that that neuro, neuroplasticity. Yes, because some people yeah. say, well, once you're a certain age, the brain is like, so this is fully developed. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Or do you think the brain can still grow new connections and stuff like that they say it can i'm not I'm, i don't know if i have the answer to that but it can for sure make new connections it can change mm. Every, everything you do everything you learn your brain is changing it's it's making new neural connections that that old saying of neurons that fire together wire together so if you do something over and over and over again your brain always wants efficiency and predictability it wants to, so if you if you do something all the time it wants to automate that that neural circuit to to do it okay i can and, see that and then so you don't have to think about it yeah. like routine if, routine that's right let's get some routine in here <laughs> and and i mean it's you can have self-directed neuroplasticity where you're learning how to do something new like all this you know when you first started doing the podcast stuff right yeah. i'm sure at, at first none of this Uh, equipment's familiar and stuff and you yeah. you feel like a like a stranger then suddenly you, it feels mm. like you're you're home you know it's true yeah like the first time i transferred a file from the sd card on my on my mac and then it was like two gigs and i try, <laughs> I, i tried to upload it and it was a different file yeah form yeah and it wouldn't let me because it was too big so yeah i, so, had, I had to learn something new yeah yeah I, so, i'd still be trying i don't know i just like I texted Lisa and said, hey, Lisa, I need your help. <laughs> <laughs> and she got down here. And by then we figured it out. So that's your tech support? Lisa's your tech support? It's totally. Nice. It's funny, though. Like certain things I do better on tech and then 
she has a techie job, but some things she just doesn't know because like really? I work a lot with Excel or numbers, yeah, you know, and yeah, then yeah. I I put formulas in there and stuff like that. Okay. But she knows where I can find something where I can reset my SD card. <laughs> <laughs> like I never know that. Yeah, it's funny. Okay, so the brain has new connections. Yeah, you get that through juggling. Yeah, and it helps you to see on what level you are because yeah. of easiness or why why would it tell you that you are at what level of performance right now uh because whatever you know now i'm i'm working on five ball juggling and uh what is a flat ball a uh, five ball oh, like five working ball, on juggling five, five ball, balls okay. you know okay so yeah three balls and a bunch of tricks and four balls and then um five balls so that that's kind of like the upper limit of my skill right now so you know i got if i'm focused the progression that i'm at i know i kind of know where i should be mm. you know know how many know how many catches i can i can do and then you know some mornings i'll show up to to train and i'll be warming up with my juggling and it's just it, not there you know and, and so just it's a nice I, i don't skip my training session but i know that okay maybe today's not the day to chase a chase a pr and the deadlift or something like that you yeah know? today's not gonna be my best time <laughs> yeah and and it just shows you those ups and downs of training too do you really think that is so or do you think it's because maybe you had something on your mind and you were stressed maybe. out could oh it could totally could be, be too could right be, yeah. but i think i think you are really good to listen to your body because if you don't like if you i know what you're doing like what you're posting online with your work you do with the balancing of your body hand stand yeah whatever push-ups this I mean, like, it seems you can listen to your body really well. Yeah. So I believe that you can do that with the balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's, I, a, it's just another tool. It's mm-hmm. just another tool, another little window into, uh, I find it's a good one. Handstands are great too, because sometimes okay, the handstands handstand. feel great and sometimes they don't. And I mean, and that that's what, uh, that, that's a big lesson too for, for training is not to, Not to think you lost all your gains if you show up and you don't feel as strong or you don't mm. feel as whatever. That That's just how it goes. Some days you're not. Yeah. But you still get there and, and put the work in. And I have that all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> It's so hard to get a good training schedule down where you get all the body works in but still can process, process into advanced like training yeah. where your yeah. body gets better. Yeah. So I found I found a good balance right now mm-hmm. where I do rowing Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Wednesdays is usually off, and then I do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday I bike. Nice. And like, it seems like it's a really good combination where I feel I can make gains, but cool. I I I can still recover. Yeah, because I had a running injury, so that's okay. I had like um. Ah, uh, the plantar fasciitis mm, or something. Fasciitis, yeah. Yeah, really shitty. How long did that last? Too long. Yeah, like in a year and a half. Yeah, it's a hard one. It's oh, hard yeah, and all because I overtrained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the irony too. It's like is that sometimes less is more. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I see it right now. I see. I've learned that injuries are opportunities. Uh, very hard for me to like suddenly i don't i can't run anymore if it's such a big part of your day yeah and i couldn't even bike because it would irritate again so i, I really i tried and then i did i tried physio but physio would just make it even worse right 
who knows it's just me and then i just for me it was best just rest i sit and i had this ball and i rolled my soul on it right right and that's what's best I, but i couldn't even stretch it because then i would feel a pull still yeah, yeah. so i don't know but now it's good it's good don't run yet though just a bike yeah yeah low impact okay i don't want to push it yeah yeah i'm, I'm fascinated with the, that relationship with pain and injury mm. you know it's it's such a it, it i have the same philosophy of it's a it's an opportunity because it teaches you teaches you about a why you got injured in the first place you mm. you because you your brain just naturally goes okay why like why does this is this my weak link you know yeah and, and you you might you might get hurt there but the problem is maybe yeah. your upper leg too totally. right totally how are you so flexible <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I've trained. I'm not, it's not a natural, natural thing at all. Oh my God, guys, go and check that out. Like <laughs> you are so flexible. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, the, um, kind of fountain of youth, you know, physically. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what we lose. And when, when you lose range of motion and your joints, they have, they have, less options to accomplish tasks mm. you know what i mean and we end up using the same lines of tissue over and over again mm. and uh again our, our modern lifestyle of you know we sit we never in a full squat we don't we we have toilets that we don't do require us to squat yeah. and you know hip replacements knee replacements are they're so common you know when, when you get to a certain age like the amount of hips being replaced it's it's mind-boggling mm. how and uh, is it because the body's just used up yeah, and I think it's, you know, like, take a joint like the hip, for example, right? It's a ball and socket yes. joint. And if you look at your kid, when when he sits cross-legged, probably knees on the floor. Oh, easy. You know, and the squat is just beautiful. Like, that 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 hip is just moving in that in that mm-hmm. socket, no problem. And then, you know, over the course of our lives, we get, we get tighter, and the tissue in there gets fibrotic, and we kind of lose ranges of motion. So now that hip can only move in a certain plane, you know? Yeah. And everything we do is on that plane. And, and uh, so it just wears down that one part, of the, and then you wear off the cartilage, oh, and it's bone on bone, and then you get massive inflammation, and the whole arthritic process starts. Yeah, because it's just like 50% on the surface, but not on the 100%. And it's just yeah. always on the same. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as far as, as, far as joint joint health yeah and then um outcome so is it almost like you don't use it you lose it totally okay. totally yeah after when do you when does that start like when the is it like with my dad what is what did i say i think with 30 the body you loses 25 percent or five ten percent of my muscle muscles mass? yeah as we, you must as know this age. yeah i i've heard i've heard i don't know what the exact it is it's like amazing lose. how much yeah. muscle mass if you don't use it you lose once mm-hmm. you're 30 right yeah and muscle's really important like hormonally to keep you know to keep you keep you vital like it's got a lot more function than just um moving your your body from point a to b it's energy for me yeah man yeah yeah so i and i think just training training until you die it's, 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 <laughs> and and i don't say that like you everyone's got to be in the gym two hours a day kind of thing mm-hmm. but having some kind of physical goal or target that you're chasing yeah. and you're training toward it just kind of keeps your it's it's yeah it's the secret it's a secret to uh mm. but having having kind of the 
balance goals because you know when you're young you just want to lift the heaviest weight you possibly can and what, whatever your goal is we tend to kind of push i'd be the biggest guy that's right in the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but the uh the, and the flexibility stuff it's i got into it from an injury as well okay i had a back um i was 35 five years ago and had a back lower back hip chronic kind of stuff and couldn't really put my finger on you know what was hurting but every time i touched a weight i'd just be you know the whole next day like just like a certain exercise for the weights or just in general just in general loading okay. up the system and and uh and i'd have kind of low back and low back hip pain and um wow it just and it, it totally uh <laughs> you know i got depressed and i started thinking about my future like all these things i like doing am i going to be able to do them i thought for sure like it's a herniated disc like this kind of pain is it normal, you know? And, and it was because it was about a year of, of pain where I just, wow. yeah, it didn't, didn't matter. It just started like that or you had something like you knew when you were hurt? Yeah, I I don't know what, um, it, it came on gradually, I guess. I don't know what. Uh, okay. Sneaked up got on out, you. Yeah, I got out of training for a little while and got back into training and, and it was just, mm. just there. And so got into, really looked at, you know, flexibility and, and kind of what it, uh, what it entailed and, and just like that, you just like, okay, now I'm hurt and I'm going to look at flexibility. Uh, yeah. I got into, a, um, there's an outfit called gymnastic bodies and they're, they're uh, just gymnastic training for gymnastic strength training for adults. Okay. And so all the cool stuff like the planches and the levers and the handstands and stuff, but a real big focus on, on flexibility because that's the main obstacle for an adult getting into it. Okay. Cause you can teach those skills to a kid because they're, they're not, they're not, locked up and and broken yet you know like they i'm always amazed how they do the monkey yeah. bar it's wild eh i mean like do you can't see, there's no defined muscles right you yeah. would think they have big arms yeah. but they just go on the I monkey know. bar and they just go like all the way yeah yeah <laughs> and they do it every day yeah they don't say oh it's thursday sorry i did monkey bars wednesday i gotta take thursday <laughs> off <laughs> no monkey bar tonight <laughs> yeah it's a rest day yeah that's crazy and then they do it three four five times yeah Okay, so yeah. they don't do it, but we do it. Yeah. We take days off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just a different, um, but I, I think, and, and I find it interesting because traditionally there's been a big separation between, you know, strength training and flexibility training, right? Like I think nobody knows about flexibility. Really, yeah. Except the pros. Yeah. I mean, the pros know that there's a certain advanced stretching too, right? For sure. There's not just stretching. There's yeah. a different kind of stretching. Yeah. I, I got to know that a little bit more when I, I picked up actually a stretch book. I have it over there. Like You can see it. It's over there. I guess I'll show it to you later because yeah. with the with the running injury, I looked into stretching as well. Cool. But cool. Because I'm seized up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... But I think it's also mentally because I do something and then I just I focus on it and right. then I do it. Right. And I think I'm at the point where I I should work something like you do with the flexibility. Yeah, come by, man. Come by. We do. I'm always doing working with with buddies, and we're going to get it going more formally in the, in the afloat space. We got a gym back there, and yeah, you and, built uh, the gym too, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was team team effort. Um, but it, it's just it's what's missing and it, it's it's so easily it's it's so easy to fit into your your routine that you're doing now mm. because flexibility 
is just strength in the outer ranges of of motion you know like like every muscle has a a strength curve they Mm. call it so like biceps the easy example so um when your arm is fully extended your biceps fully fully lengthened so at the fully lengthened position there's there's not a lot of strength there and then as you go more and more and more to 90 percent, once you're in that mid range that's where that strength curve kind of peaks it's shaped like a parabola like a you know Mm. that's where it peaks that's where at your strongest and then you move into that inner range where it's short at its shortest and that's that Mm. force drops off again so that muscle is strongest at the mid range and then drops off at at the outer range, which is fully lengthened, and inner range, which is fully shortened. It's like RPMs for cars. Yeah, max horsepower at four thousand five hundred. Yeah, there you go. It's something like that, right? Yeah, right. I, yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's how. Good, that's what I'm getting my it's brain. A good analogy. Tell me this. Totally, totally. <laughs> and so, you know, the one of the most common weightlifting injuries is, is um, tearing Torn. your bicep. Yeah, right. Yeah. Deadlifting people do it all the time because you're you're yeah you're that bicep gets gets tight in that in that kind of shortened position and then you're pulling it's kind of just the weakest link it, it has to go but um it prevents further injury too right if it goes is that how it goes maybe yeah something has to go and yeah. that's that's just what, it's a terrible injury though it's a but you know if you want to increase your if you increase the strength in that outer range and the inner range you increase the the force that can be produced mm-hmm. over that whole strength the curve. overall performance yeah, yeah. and the, it, what happens over the course of of becoming an adult and and strength training and just training that mid range all the time we get real strong in that mid range and we gradually lose strength on the outer range and the inner range you know so having a strength program that addresses outer range strength and inner range strength is is you, you get you get full function function back and you can train it you know you can start wherever you're at even if you're the tightest guy in the world you can start training mm. training your your outer ranges and because your body your body is you know your brain's way smarter than you your nervous system is smarter than you are and it knows that if you don't have the strength to control a range of motion neurally it's not going to give it to you it's just going to sh- like your your muscles just not going to fire properly to, to produce that that contraction in that in okay. that position so like the example is in a in a full middle split you know if you take one leg up and put it sideways you can you can probably go to 90 degrees mm. and that so that that means your hip is fully abducted right it's not f- me you probably yeah yeah well most people are you can you can get close and then with with both legs but then if you try to go both legs you won't get anywhere near that because your 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 brain knows that if i fall or if i slip i don't I don't have that, um, so that neural neural tension or neural tone is increased. So the way to kind of talk to your nervous system is build strength over time in, mm-hmm. in those ranges of motion, and then gradually your your neural tone kind of changes and you get more, more and more flexible. So flexibility requires strength in those in those ranges of motion, which is which is kind of counterintuitive. So it, it is it's strength training just at at different ranges. You know, like we, we've become so kind of conditioned to think of strength training as the, you know, the big the big exercise, the bench press, the curls, the squats, and the stuff like that. All great, all necessary. Everybody should do them. But worrying about um, a little more structural balance side of things and, and uh, just knowing that that you're going to get tight in certain ranges if you, if you only do those kind of mid-range exercises mm. and, and working those in. And I think having targets for flexibility, like, you know, right now I'm 
really chasing the middle splits because it's been it's my my nemesis and and it's like the full split is that yeah like is? the van damme split you know? oh yeah yeah the, the jumping one cool. the jumping one eventually oh wow why not yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's no like two chairs you know yeah. right on two chairs yeah and then up and down up yeah up and down just for the instagram right yeah but, for sure you gotta yeah. got those followers that's right <laughs> <laughs> just bugging you no no i get it wow full split i don't think i've ever done that at all no when i was a kid i was close and then i don't know what happened mm. i just let just so walk me through it. So for now, you this is your game plan, full split. This is like you want to get there. So what kind of strengthening training do you have to do? So the... Um, for that specific. Yeah, yeah. If it's not a so secret, I guess. No. Add, add doctor strength. Like yeah. your, your, your groin muscles, you know, your, that, that pull your knees together. If you're sitting cross-legged and you want to pull your knees together, that's your, mm -hmm. your adductors kind they of. They have a gym machine for that. Yeah, remember the Suzanne Summers, the uh, the thigh master kind of thing. But um, yeah. so yeah, that there's there's a lot of them. It's actually really hard. Yeah, not, not a lot of guys use those because no. they think, oh, that's for it's the woman. For girls, yeah, 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 yeah totally. but I use them all the time. Yeah, so I do like a you know the butterfly stretch where your your feet are together and you're Ooh. sitting that one with with dumbbells on the knees, and then you pull. You want to use the the muscles on the other side of your hip. So your your glute meat and stuff to to abduct your hip to pull pull your knees down, and that weight helps. And then you lift the lift the dumbbells with the with your adductors, and then wow. and then pull back in, building strength that way. And I mean, there's a whole. Can you still walk afterwards? Yeah, but I learned the hard way that I do that. I do my middle splits day at the end of the training week because I used to do it on Monday, mm. and then I could I was I was wrecked. Like I, if I tried to deadlift the next day, oh man, my back just hated everything. Just hated me. So I do that at the end of the week. Makes sense. And yeah, it's 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 uh, it's fascinating to me. And and the whole relationship to pain, like I felt like I learned so much about my my body and my my brain and the way that I kind of perceived my my body, you know. Mm. And that that um, you know, because your brain is living in a black box essentially, right? It it only gets it only gets the sensory feedback from your environment through your through your senses right so your proprioception and stuff from your joints touch your visual everything and and so it's interpreting that and it's your your sensory motor cortex part of your your cerebrum it has a, a basic map of your body you know and so say for example you hurt your shoulder when you were a kid and so you you all you're always kind of nervous about going overhead or, or getting your arm extended in that in that position, and so you don't do it. So over time, you kind of lose that range of motion. Your brain's map of that area is fuzzy. It, it has got a fuzzy map, and so it'll be real common for you to experience pain because pain is a neural output. A lot of times, it's it's your your brain is sending those sensations. So pain doesn't come from the periphery and be and it's interpreted by the brain. It's either, you know, tissue damage is coming and your brain sends the pain. So pain is a protective um, phenomenon. Or, it or is mechanism. because yeah. it would get worse if For you sure. still would do more. Yeah. So it's important when you do get injured, you know, even now I still tweak my, my back and still tweak things, but I, I know not to freak out and think, oh no, this is it. Like I, I can never do this again or whatever mm. because you, you just kind of lock in. So I find... If I hurt something, I just, I keep moving it in a pain. Like if I hurt my shoulder, which I did about a month ago, mm. had a shoulder tweak and I just kept moving it in a pain, pain-free 
you know, when it, when it hurt, I just okay. kind of just work around it, but keep, keep moving it. I kept moving it. And then over the course of a couple of days, like, Oh, there you go. It's, it's coming back. The and I know recovery was quicker too. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have that kind of emotional connection to pain because I think we kind of lock that into our, our, um, you know, our perception of, of our physical bodies. Like when you, when you hurt yourself and you get kind of attached, like people almost get attached there. Oh, I got this bum knee. I got this bum knee. I've had this bum knee, you know, and it becomes a part of you. Yeah. But there's people also who tell people, okay, you will never run again. Yeah. And you that know. is damaging. Yeah. When it comes from an, like an authority figure. Yeah. Like a if doctor a doctor tells you that. Yeah. And then you, you believe that or you don't. Like totally. there's people who push through it and then there's people who, who yeah. believe it. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. It is hard. It is hard. Uh, I think, it, you know, kind of goes back to the same principle of the, of the ice and why I think that's valuable. That, that ability or that, uh, the skill of leaning in, you know, like, so when, when, because that's what flexibility training is. Like you, you get to that end range and you got to be able to calm and, and hold stretches or whatever you're doing, you're working in that outer range and your body's natural inclination is to tighten up and pull out of that position. Mm. But you got to learn to kind of relax, kind of lean into it and just spend time there, you know, and that that's the only way you're going to build any kind of competence there. And, and I think with, um, with injuries, you get to, you, you got to feel, you got to, not be so afraid of, of moving it that you don't move it because the worst thing you can do, like, you know, the whole rest, ice, compress, elevate, it's, it's not how the body heals. Mm. Like the body sends blood to, to areas that it needs to heal. So blood flow, blood flow is what, is what does it. Yeah. I know with the hips, when they get replaced, they tell the guys, okay, or the girls yeah. use it right now. Right now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. They because come, they know what happens to tissue when you don't. They come out of the surgery and then, okay, you can go now. Yeah. Or you have to move, right? Yeah. I think it's also blood cloth. Like you don't want to get anything like that either. Not too sure. Yeah, it's probably something like that too. But they, they want that joint moving because they know that, that um, you know, from what I understand that the all your cartilage and your connective tissue is mostly collagen. Mm. And so collagen is, it's a, it's a super durable um, tissue and it lays down. It's, it's, it, the way it gets laid down is organized by force, you know? So like you're, that's why they can take um, a ligament from your knee. If you get an ACL replacement or something and they take, they'll take a piece of your Achilles tendon and they'll put it, They'll put it where your ACL was mm. and that force will change the connective tissue into a ligament. So it, it organizes those collagen fibers into a, a, like a good matrix, you know, it's true. But if you have an injury and you, and you don't move it and it gets scarred, that tissue gets fibrotic. So it's kind of like all messed up and, and, and not, not organized to the, to the force, you know, and that's what they kind of call scar tissues. Yeah. So I think they know that's, that's my, my, uh, poor man's explanation of, of why, but it makes sense to me. You want that, mm -hmm. you want that moving and you want those forces of walking and sitting and squatting and all those, those daily things. Yeah. You want to get that into the joint as much as you can. I agree. That's good. Do you, so before you work out now, let's say you, what's, what's tomorrow on the list? You know, you got your game plan set. Tomorrow is front split day. Okay. Front yeah. split day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> As, um, so before you start your workout, do you, you stretch? Right? Uh, so I've been warming up with, uh, the sled, 
pushing, pushing and pulling the sled. Okay. I, I love it. So, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Tracy about the, told me about yeah, this. Yeah, the Prowler. It's quite noisy, I heard. Yeah, I, it's all right. I, I do it at four or five in the morning all the time and nobody seems to complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're pushing it, it's, it's uh, you know, if you push it slow and you're pushing through your, you know, pushing through your big toe and you got your knee way over your toe, so you got, you know, load on your Achilles tendon and your calf mm. and you're pushing, you got that force going right through the whole, the whole chain as you're pushing it. Yeah. And then as you're pulling it, you're, you're pushing through your toe again and you're straightening your, you're straightening your leg and you're working, they call it your, your vastus medialis, your, um, the quad, the quad, you know, that teardrop muscle there. Yeah. And that, that one's real important for knee stabilization mm. and you're doing it only concentrically. So, you know, concentric is as you're going up and eccentric is, is going down mm-hmm. and eccentric is what makes you sore. So if you're doing, if you're doing a lot of squats and it's the lowering part that makes you sore. That's why like people recover with biking and rowing and, and kind of anything that where you're just pushing, you're just, mm-hmm. just contracting the muscle, but you're not lengthening under tension, then you won't, won't get sore. So it's great to bring a whole bunch of blood to the, uh, to the area. So yeah, I, I warm up with, um, sleds, juggling, hacky sack, handstand. So I'll do, do a round of the sled, come back. I usually put a, get a mouthful of water so I can't breathe through my mouth and just breathe through my nose and do 30 seconds to a minute of juggling and then push the sled again, come back, hacky sack, push the sled again, come back, handstand. And so I'm, I'm getting warm up, a lot of blood flow. I'm breathing through my nose. So I'm, I'm getting my kind of pulmonary system warmed up. Okay, so breathing, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to breathing. The I, I talked to Tracy about this, and there was this episode on Joe Rogan. And there was this guy, and he said, "Yeah, I'm going to breathe." He told about the nose breathing, right? Yeah, James Nestor. Yeah, and Tracy said, "You, you, uh, you are the an expert, really. Like you mm-hmm. do, you apply, you apply it, and you, you, you know how to do it." So for anybody who doesn't know, when you br- only breathe through the nose while you exercise or whenever you right. get more, 20% more oxygen into your, no- into your system? Yeah, so breathing through your nose, your, your nose is, is meant for breathing. Like if you think, you know, the, your nasal cavity is like the size of your fist or the size of a billiard ball. You know, we think of our nose as just this small little appendage sticking off our face, but behind the nose, there's, there's a big nasal cavity and it's got, turbinates so little little grooves inside it mm. that when you take in air, air in through your nose it swirls the air and so it moistens the air before they go into your lungs okay. and it warms the air and it filters the air so it's got silly and stuff and it also your nasal um, nitric oxide is released in your nasal cavity which mm. is a, a vasodilator you know like that's a that's a guys take that before they go before they work out to make their veins pop out so they look oh, cool when they're okay. walking when they're working out yeah. but Veins day. Totally, totally. <laughs> so when you breathe through your nose, um, it also imparts a bit of a resistance to the air. So it comes in it comes in slower mm. so, and, and it engages your diaphragm more. If you just take a breath with your with your mouth open, you feel it there's no resistance and you'll feel it it's more upper chest. Just mm. it naturally happens. If you take a, a breath in through your nose, you'll feel it's more more diaphragmatic. And so the whole thing, and uh, I did the training with uh, Auction Advantage. He's a guy from Ireland. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they teach functional breathing. So functional breathing is, is slow, light, and deep. 
and um, slow, light, and deep. Yeah, and so that's like kind of your everyday breathing. That's how you should be breathing all the time. Um, and then nobody breathes deep. Right? Yeah, you just mostly it's just shallow, isn't it? Mostly just shallow. Yeah, and so you actually get more when you're breathing slower. Your cells get more oxygen. Because, and it goes back to carbon dioxide again because, you know, we're kind of conditioned to think that carbon dioxide is just a waste gas and we have to blow it off all the time. But it's actually really important because your your oxygen is, is bound to hemoglobin in your red blood cells, right? Like mm-hmm. those iron molecules. And they can each hold four oxygen molecules. Yeah. So the higher the concentration of CO2 in your tissues, in your blood, the weaker the affinity is for hemoglobin and oxygen. So that means there's a weaker bond between hemoglobin and oxygen and it releases it more quickly. And it makes a lot of sense because if you're working your, if you're doing curls and you're using your bicep a lot and it's, it's, there's a lot of cellular metabolism going on. It's producing a lot of hydrogen ions so that it's going to be more acidic and there's more CO2 more in waste. that area. Right. So that means when the blood is flowing through, that the oxygen is getting delivered more quickly to that working muscle. So mm. it's a really sophisticated that's system. The pump? What's that? Is that the pump? Yeah, that's just yeah, and, and just blood flow. Oh, I think that's just blood more flow blood too. flow. You get vasodilation yeah. as well. Yeah. And and um, carbon dioxide is also a smooth muscle um, dilator. So mm. it, it relaxes smooth muscle, so it helps dilate your your uh, blood vessels, which gets more more um, blood into the area. So the reason it's important to to breathe through your nose is if you're blowing off all your CO2 with your mouth wide open, you know, you see the you know people working out with the mouth wide open, they're just breathing like crazy. They're blowing off more CO2 than they need to. And they're making they're making the bond between hemoglobin and oxygen tighter. So it's it's harder for hemoglobin to to release that um, to release that oxygen to the tissues that need it. So if you're able to slow your breathing down and breathe through your nose you're you're moving less air per minute you're able to tolerate a higher level of co2 and you got more better tissue oxygenation understood yeah why is it so hard when you first start exercising and say okay i'm gonna breathe through my nose i gotta i gotta get this done right and then you're in there and 10 minutes later you breathe through your mouth why is this so hard to control you get this feel. I get this feeling. Yeah. I can. Let's talk about myself. Yeah. I tried after I listened to that episode. I tried yeah. to do a little bit. Okay. And there comes a point where I can't. For me, it feels like I cannot produce the same power. Right. Why is that? Uh, it's it's that's um kind of physiological. Like so, your your the adaptations that happen when you when you start breathing through your nose. Um when they do this with like performance breathing for athletes, they're pretty upfront with, so for the, for the first kind of four to six weeks, they're going to see a drop off in performance in, okay. in their output, breathing through their nose. But once your body's able to make the adaptations, um, to nasal breathing, then, then you'll see performance climbing. You'll, you'll get back to, to where you were with, with just nasal breathing. And then you also have all those benefits of a 20% less work of breathing better tissue oxygenation mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're more aerobic. So the, the adaptation that happens is more buffering capacity. So you're, when, you're, when your muscles are working, they're producing 
they're producing hydrogen ions all the time. So they're producing CO2 all the time. Like so every cell in your body is. Yeah. And you're, it's, you're, it's the waste of the burning the sugar, right? The mygo, yeah, mitochondrians yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> mitochondria. That's right. And so your your body needs to get rid of that, yeah. get rid of that waste. And it wants to get rid of that waste because it needs to maintain your blood uh, pH in that mm-hmm. narrow, that narrow range. And so when you start breathing through your nose, you're going to be a little more acidic because you're not, you're not blowing off okay. as much, as much CO2. And so it takes time for that buffering capacity to, to develop. So what should I do? Should I lower my load and train lighter for the same duration or cut that shorter? Are you talking, um, let's say like biking on the, biking? Yeah, on the trainer. Yeah. So I, I would say breathe through your nose find the pace where you can where you can hold that nasal breath and in might not be every workout but i would recommend it because there's major benefits to be had and find that pace where you can nasal breathe and just hold that and you'll find over the course it'll happen pretty quickly over the course of a couple weeks you'll find that pace will increase breathing through your nose and you can hold a, Mm. a higher pace um and the heart rate would be lower too then right ultimately like for this you would have you would produce the same power with a lower heart rate, wouldn't you? I don't know the answer to that. Because you because you wouldn't breathe as fast. I think. I don't know. That's yeah. just a thought. And and your your breathing muscles take a lot when you're at kind of max um when you're at like your, your max output, say you want a rower or something like that, your your breathing muscle and your all your respiratory muscles can take up to um 15 percent of your energy you know so like they're they're working hard it's Mm. it's a lot of energy expenditure yeah and when you're and i mean this stuff for for the um so the way they train it is with breath holds so you're 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 breathing through your nose and you you inhale you exhale a normal breath you plug your nose and you just start walking once you start feeling the the urge to breathe you start jogging and then you keep picking up the pace and you and you just relax. So what's going to happen is you start feeling your diaphragm quivering because your brainstem, that respiratory center, is sending messages to your to your diaphragm like we got to blow off CO2, we got to breathe, we got to breathe. And so you the the whole key is just kind of relaxing into it, leaning in and just kind of leaning into that feeling and just going for, you know, as long as you can before you don't don't push it super hard, but and then you you let it go and you and you breathe nasally again and you try to slow it down so you kind of try to preserve that hypoxic effect. Mm-hmm. And over the time, over the over the course of, of that training, you'll you improve your your body's buffering capacity for acid because that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to bring that that acid down. It's trying to get it back to that normal pH. And so you're, you're pushing yourself into that acidic zone by holding your breath and training with your with your you know, just nasal breathing. And they think it happens in the, in the muscle, like in the, in the mitochondria itself, the, the, the actual, it's, it's still pretty, pretty new science, but there, uh, it, it does. And you, you end up improving your CO2 tolerance because mm. that, that's what's happening. So that remember that threshold when you're, your CO2 levels are rising and your brain stem says, okay, it's time to breathe. That's your CO2 threshold. So that's, that's how much CO2 you can, you can tolerate. So you're, you're, um, if you work on tol- on exposing yourself to more, a higher level of CO2 in the blood, you increase your tolerance to CO2 
and then you don't have to have to breathe off so much and you you get the benefit of um, better tissue oxygenation 20% more oxygen per per breathing right yeah so the the 20% was um uh work work of breathing like you, you get 20 uh, uh 20% jump in efficiency of, of yeah. breathing and so it's huge it's big yeah that's big it's big yeah 20% oh my god mm. when i was running i hit a plateau where i was training for like let's say 5k best time okay okay And I was like, let's say I was 19 minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. Yeah. So I, w I was happy where I was, but I set my, I had fast gains and I wanted to continue. But I found that my breathing would not be able to keep up with my performance. I felt like I could go faster, but there was for me no way I knew how to breathe right. where I can put this down. Yeah. I was running out of air. Mm -hmm. So is that what, what's happening? Yeah, when you when you the, um there's an, another guy in this field his name is Brian McKenzie and uh he has the art of breath. And so he talks about a gear system with with breathing. So like say you, you jump on the rower or you jump on the bike or something and you're you're at that light pace, you know, like you're not and you can you can breathe in your nose and out your nose no problem like comfortably. And then you pick it up a little bit and then you're going to find you can breathe in your nose and then you have to start kind of pushing out your nose right and so that's gear two so nasal in nasal out is gear one nasal in power nasal out is gear two now you have more mm. metabolic activity at the tissue level so you have to blow off a little more co2 now you pick it up a little more and now you're going to find power nasal in power nasal out so yeah. now you got we got to bring in more we got to push out more and so that's gear three gear four so is now power nasal in and mouth out so mm. i'm i'm blowing out through my mouth And then gear five is mouth in, mouth out. Now we're at an all-out sprint. Like we're being chased by a lion. We got no time to think about yeah. nose breathing. So it's it's a cool, and that um, when your mouth opens, it's kind of like your your anaerobic threshold. So before that, your cells are able to produce ATP. They really produce energy aerobically. And then you push it over that certain threshold, and now they got to switch to a, a quicker but less efficient system, your anaerobic mm. glycolysis, right? And so now they're, they're and then producing that lactate and stuff, and, and it's it's more, uh, it's it's not as efficient, and it's doesn't require oxygen. It's That's anaerobic. That's why they, they call it aerobic is with oxygen, anaerobic is, is without. So mm. if you're able to move, to shift your anaerobic threshold higher, in terms of how much output you can produce, then you can you can produce a higher level of work, a greater quantity of work at a, at a lower yeah. um, kind of metabolic rate, you know? Okay. And you put some water in your mouth so you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good trick if, if you're... If you're... Uh, with a fish, too? With a fish? <laughs> yeah, so you don't <laughs> swallow it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They have that in some kind of movie where he puts... Like, is this a lot with Mr. Oh, Bean, yeah. I think? That's it. I don't know, but yeah, and then he swallows the fish. Yeah, yeah, but you don't do that. You just you put the water in your mouth because then it's like a safety guard for you to really just work through your nose. Yeah, you just can't breathe through your mouth. So it's it's because uh, when you're tired and I'm, and you're focusing on something else, it's easy to just mm -hmm. open your mouth and you won't even know it. You'll just start breathing through your mouth. Yeah, but if you have water in your mouth, there was a I can't remember where the tribe was in Africa somewhere somewhere famous for their running mm -hmm. and uh, they. They would do that to the kids. They would put rocks in their mouth when they left for their run. 
And then they had to have their rocks still in their mouth when they came back. Oh, wow. So that they didn't open their mouth and they just breathed through their nose. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it's it's massive. The uh, Because hyper hyperventilation is breathing in excess of breathing in excess of your metabolic demands. And so, you know, we're talking about performance, but just day to day, it has major impacts on, on just how you, how you feel, how you kind of exist in the world, you know? Because mm. if you have a low tolerance to CO2, it means your brain is constantly getting the signal to breathe, to breathe, to breathe. And you won't be able to breathe slow enough to use your diaphragm. So breathing tends to be kind of more upper chest and um, shallow. And so if you can s- slowing down your breathing to that six breaths per minute, it, it kind of engages that parasympathetic system and, and helps you helps you calm back down. So the, the example that I always go back to, you know, when on the ambulance we pick up um, people with panic attacks all the time. Yeah. And the, the, the symptom of a panic attack is identical to the symptoms of hyperventilation. But people don't even know when they have a panic attack. No. And they're, so Some, they're, sometimes like I've worked with somebody and he had yeah. a pan, like we didn't know what was going on. Right. He was, he was getting dizzy. Yeah. He like, I gave him some sugar, right. And I gave him some like yeah. Coke, whatever. And yeah. then because his heart was beating fast, he was sweating profusely, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't know why he would have it. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. And, and it's so tied to the, so tied to the breath. When, when they start, you know, the, the people with, um, kind of unexplained panic disorder where, where panic attacks just come on. Oh, okay. They're, they're doing actually, there's, people are studying the effects of having them breathe carbon dioxide to expose their brain to higher levels of carbon dioxide mm. to, to increase that CO2 tolerance. Because usually when they, because when they track those people, usually panic attacks are preceded by an increase in CO2 in their blood. And then they, they start compensating or they try to blow that off by hyperventilating. And when you hyperventilate and you blow all that, that carbon dioxide off, you get that respiratory yeah. alkalosis, right? So you get a tighter bond between that oxygen and the hemoglobin. It's not letting it go to your tissues. And so you're, people having panic attacks, when we pick them up in the ambulance, they're breathing at like 40 breaths a minute. They're hyperventilating, at just sitting there. And they're saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. They feel mm-hmm. like they're suffocating. And it's because their tissue, their cells are actually suffocating because that oxygen is so tightly bound wow. to their red blood cells that it's just coming right back out when they when they exhale. That's crazy. So the, the you know, and the, the advice to people with panic attacks is just take a deep breath. Just breathe. Just breathe deep. And, and so they think, you know, big deep mm-hmm. breaths. When actually a better advice is breathe slow. Like the first thing I do when I get those people in the in the ambulance is just I have them close their mouth, breathe through your nose. Like I want you to bring your no, your your brain to the tip of your nose and feel that air coming in and feel it coming out, and just breathe through your nose. They're still breathing fast, and once they can kind of get a little grip on that, then have them just feel that flow of air coming in. Just slow that down a little bit, just a little bit, like taking a little bit less air than you were taking it. And when it comes out, same thing. So mm-hmm. kind of slowing that slowing that breath down because they need to start recapturing some of that CO2, which is why, you know, in old movies when they would have people breathe into a paper bag, remember when they were like people yeah. having a panic attack, they breathe in because they're rebreathing that CO2 and they rebalance that that blood pH. Oh, okay. Because when you're you you blow it all off and you got you now you got 
alkalosis. It's a, it causes vasoconstriction, and that's why their hands get tingly, their mouth gets all kind of cramped up and stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And they don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. No. no. Most people think they have a heart attack or something. Yeah, always. And it's, and it's easy. You know, I, I don't uh, ever want to sound dismissive of anxiety because it's, it's a real physiological thing. And it's interesting because even people who have had panic attacks in the past and, and every panic attack feels like this is something completely different. Like mm. your brain is so capable of tricking you into oh, thinking okay. that, that it's something it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. And they, they feel like, yeah, they feel like they're going to die. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you were there and you were the first responder. It's, you brought this up now. So, I Oh yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to, to work with it. I, I love getting anxiety calls now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you you connect your your passion also with your work life then in a way, right? Yeah. I there's, try to. there's a lot of stuff going on, but I want to talk a little bit first about the workout stuff. So you yeah. you did you do your warm up, which is for some people like the workout, and then <laughs> right, right. It's funny how you you dive into full force exercises as a warm up. Yeah, yeah, I, I ramp it up. I mean, I don't go, don't don't push like the max mm. heavy heavy sled, you know. But yeah. um, like like runners, they like they say they stretch first before they run, right? Or they do jumping jacks or whatever. Yeah. No, for you? Oh yeah, yeah. I I I move move a lot like depends on the day that yeah. that that's what i've been been doing lately i like to pick something i like to pick a few movements and just keep moving for five minutes you know and okay. you get that that blood pump and get a little sweat going and okay and i feel great okay yeah yeah i just like this sled pushing because you're getting so you yeah because you combine your exercises to not just strength but also mobility yeah yes yeah mm. you don't you don't separate them you combine them yeah. So that's how I, what's I'm, what I'm getting at. Yeah. 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 That's very smart. It's just like you do compound exercises because hey, I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you you had this injury. You did you have a book then that you picked up? Uh, I did that gymnastic bodies course. It was yeah. a, it was an online thing. Okay. And I went down to wow. Denver a couple times to their to their gym and trained trained at their gym and did the their level one kind of training and, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really got into that system for a long time. And then I got into uh, something called functional range conditioning, which is, um, yeah, more, more applied stretching. And they look at, at joint mechanics, kind of take a joint by joint approach and learned, learned a ton from, from that. And uh, now I'm into um, uh, uh, an outfit called Real Movement and they're out of Australia. Mm. And uh, that's where in Sydney you went down there. Yeah, went yeah. down to Sydney to to, mm. to train with those guys and and still doing still doing the training and the learning. It's it's kind of like an online coaches platform. Yeah, and so you can just you know keep learning and and um, they've done they've done a lot for that uh, that idea of bringing bringing flexibility training and the, and strength training together. And and so you know if you're strength training, you should be able to do more you know mm-hmm. it, it just it seems such a common scenario that people hurt themselves doing the thing that's supposed to make them healthy for the long term you know like how many people work out and then hurt themselves and they can't work out anymore and and, and uh yeah, could be technique yeah could be inexperience right for sure nobody tells you how to do it yeah 
yeah. yeah. And and people tell you stretching's bad. Like people like that 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 idea still floats around that that you know if you if you stretch you won't be as strong or or mm. or vice versa. Yeah. But don't stretch in the beginning. Just stretch afterwards or the other way around. Yeah. Like there's so many informations out there that yeah. That stretching decreases power output and stuff. But that 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 idea came from a study they did where they had people hold long runners hold long hamstring stretches like for a minute plus and then do in their max sprint and they found a decrease in power up but well yeah, obviously happen. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so but there's there's no gray zone so that that doesn't mean that you know you wouldn't do a long stretch and then try to do your max deadlift either that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense but mm. mm-hmm. okay all right how long do you work out each day um about an hour an hour yeah okay you do it at lunchtime I do it at lunchtime yeah. when i'm at work I'll, i'll do it at lunchtime I, I like morning morning sessions. You do twice a day? Uh sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I like doing doing my real training in the morning and then I'll do like a handstand session or something mm. which doesn't feel like training. It just feels like skill. It's kind of my relaxed time. I can just juggle and handstand and juggle yeah. and handstand and Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very important too though. Yeah. Okay. You work out seven times a week? Yeah. Like every day? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. You should do something. No rest day? No. No, I you know what I like to do is I do my big day. Um you know, so Monday would be Monday was kind of a lower body day today, so front squats and deadlifts and, and uh sissy squats and and then tomorrow is more of a flexibility day. So and I'm doing handstands and juggling and stuff mm-hmm. and doing the flexibility, but you know, through rain length kind of range of strength is what they call it strength over over length yeah and so it's kind of a taper day and then wednesday will be my my big upper body day mm-hmm. and then thursday is my back bridge day and then friday is my other lower body day kind of posterior chain and then saturday is my middle splits day and then sunday i do kind of more gymnastic straight arm strength and stuff and i just i love it because i feel you recovered good yeah yeah mm-hmm. um cardio cardio i don't do a lot of like A lot of a lot of cardio in terms of you know just running or whatever, but mm. do you just run around chasing the kid or do yeah. or paddleboarding or skateboarding with yeah. And you're it seems like almost your training is more intense, right? You 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 probably have a higher heart rate doing training, which is almost like cardio. Yeah, I like doing um, follow something called dense strength, which uh, so for example, if you're doing squats, um, dense strength is is say you're doing five reps, you do five reps on the minute and the next minute you do five reps. Mm-hmm. And then, so for, and a 10 minute block mm-hmm. so that the, the rest is shorter, you know? Yeah. And I, I like that a lot. I so, do really short rests yeah. on my free weights. I don't do 20 seconds. <laughs> 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I don't have the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Like the first snap for the little one is about an hour. Yeah. And I do, I have 20 minutes outside Yeah. For the the um, pull up bar. Right. And then I have 40 minutes to for the free weights. Okay. So I have to hammer it out. Yeah. And my weights are lighter, yeah. but because it's shorter, it still works. There you go. Yeah. And if you pair it up, if you pair pair a movement up with its antagonist movement, like say you're doing push-ups and then do your row right after, mm. then you got you steal a little bit of rest for your chest while you're doing your row and then you can get back to your your push-ups quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you do like biceps, triceps or whatever. 
it, if you're if you're crunched for time, it's a good way to. Yeah, I do three. Do I do three exercises for each um, body type. Like I do three shoulders, I do three chest, and I do three arms. Nice. And then the core workout is outside with the five different. That's like my warm up. Yeah, but I don't stretch either. Like before I do the pull ups, I don't. Right. It's like, hey, I just because it's go time. <laughs> it's go time. It's go it time. <laughs> go get it done. Yeah, I saw your your pull ups. So you're into the calisthenics and and doing. Yeah, I always was fascinated. I felt empowered by pulling yourself up. Yeah, like I did a lot of swimming when I was younger. But the pull-up was like an exercise where I can connect with. Cool. And now um, I, I used to go to the gym a lot when the first one was born for a year. And then time is getting shorter. I, you do, I do the same thing as you. At lunchtime, I, I, I pump it out because nice. they, I try to get up early in the morning, but I can't. Yeah, because at night it's it's a long because at night I have time to do something else. Yeah, I hear you. It's just like you have to, yeah, you have to find the time where you can make it work for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm usually in bed by now. Mm. That's I, I be in trouble tomorrow. No, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Oh yeah, oh, I don't care. Yeah. No, 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 it's joking. bedtime. Okay, but it's it's easy with kids though to go to bed early. I find, mm. but. It, you're right. This is your time for you to be able to do the podcast yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you need. No, it. I wouldn't. You know? yeah. I know. I know tomorrow will be like ah, uh, but yeah. I, then it helps my body also that I do the exercises because I have a higher level of energy available. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I wouldn't do it, then I wouldn't feel the same. I would have less power. It's funny, right? You would think it would be the opposite. I know. You would think when you run like a crazy horse or you're on that bike. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out you got more energy. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. You need that. Yeah. You need to. Yeah. Were you always super active? Pretty active. Pretty yeah. Pretty ADD like, as a kid. Like yeah. high school, you were like football player or no, something. No, I never played any sports. No, I, no, I didn't. I, uh, I was, uh, I skateboarded and smoked a lot of weed. My whole, my I, whole. Um, uh, Teenage years, I never played any sports. Mm. I got into martial arts when I was like twenty, uh, and then, uh, and then you know, and I boxing I, too. Uh, yeah, later that when I was went to Japan, I got into boxing. Ooh. I was into more like traditional martial arts before that. You went to Japan? Yeah, nice. For a couple of years, yeah, I loved it. So jealous! Wow. Yeah. Did you pick up a samurai sword? Uh no. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, it's funny. I I went there. I was into Japanese martial arts when I was here, and then you know that was the connection to make me want to go there. And when I went there, I started kickboxing mm. and um, jujitsu, and then did some amateur kickboxing. And uh, yeah, you have the perfect yeah, body type for that. I, I loved it. It was yeah, it's so cathartic, just hitting hitting something over and over again yeah mm-hmm. how come you uh, went into fighting after like your 20s like early 20s you said yeah did it just like happen or you yeah i started uh you know i i smoked and drank a lot and went up till i was 20 mm-hmm. quit smoking i started running and then just like that yeah yeah i just kind of i i got i don't know knew it was time to quit smoking and running was a great one because you can when I first started running after being a smoker, like my lungs would just burn after a couple blocks. And then you can see it week to week. I could run further and feel better. It was such a great reinforcer yes, for, for getting rid of that habit, you know? And then I got into martial arts just because I'm 
more of a solo kind of a less of a team athlete, I guess. Team like just, me. Yeah. Yeah. Just more drawn <laughs> like to that, that, that solo pursuit. You know, yeah. you, you know what they say? It's always, I think, um, you should always focus first on yourself. And then when you have a level where you're comfortable, you can, you can reach out to other people. Yeah. Because you have to be comfortable with yourself. Yeah. That's, that's a big, that's a big lesson actually to like accept that. <laughs> yeah yeah accepting yourself is yeah. a you know it sounds i remember hearing something like the way you treat yourself like in in terms of your deepest kind of beliefs about yourself is the way you end up treating the people you love the most it's true it is true yeah. and it's it's a good one to realize early mm. you know because if you you know if you if you have yeah if you don't like yourself are you you're going to end up sabotaging your ways your your life in ways that automatically you, yeah yeah and you, you'll end up taking it on the people that you, I know. you love the most and you don't have the same expectations you don't take chances like you or you don't see the chances or the possibilities yeah yeah it's i always try to focus on the positive sides and see the things as opportunities just like i told you earlier yeah but it's not easy for sure but i like like when my, my, my son says something and it's like negative, I always try to say, no, we don't think that way. Mm -hmm. Sounds weird, but I just like try to enforce uh, something good. Yeah. Like in the mindset. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's like, no, we don't have to talk about this. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. and then I tell him something else where it's like, and then it's safe, for example. Right. Yeah. So that's good. So you did. When did you start to be a paramedic then? Uh, 2011? 2011. 2011, yeah. When oh, I came yeah. I came back to Japan from Japan to do the the college course here. Mm. And then So Japan was a life changer? Yeah, that was a that was a big one. Yeah. That was a big one, yeah. Yeah, two two years there. Wow, you spent two years it. in Japan? Mm. Speak it? I, I yeah, I could I could I mean I I don't have it. It would come back to you. Yeah, like I can still when I watch when I hear Japanese I can pick up you know, it's always that way. You can you can understand way more than you can speak with with languages eh, if you don't use it. Mm. But uh, wow, yeah, it was cool, man. I did. Um, I went over there with a big English school, mm. like a, one of the biggest ones, and uh, they set you up in an apartment and they just you know take money out of your paycheck and pay your rent, kind of thing. So you don't have to worry yeah. about anything. You just show you up. You were a teacher. Teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English teacher. And what then did you uh, teach? Uh, just English, English, just conversational English. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Hey, you see me like a good teacher. Yeah, it was good. So when I got there, I I was in the 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 company I worked for was called Nova, mm. so they had housing they could put you into. I met some friends and we rented a house um, together about two three months in, and about six months in, that company went bankrupt because the the president was embezzling money and it was oh, this boy. big thing, and so all of us did, we didn't get paid for about two months. And, you know, I burned through all my money. I, I remember it was getting down to getting down to the wire. I bought a big 30-pound bag of rice. And uh, then the schools were closed. And so we started teaching. We went and got all the contacts that of the people we were teaching in the school. Mm -hmm. And we just made our house like a little English school. So we oh. had a yeah, nice little, nice little um, setup in the living room. We'd have people do the conversation classes. And I started doing private classes. And one of my students, uh, she was the manager at a wedding chapel. And, um, and so Japanese people really like Western style weddings because it's very different. Like they like the whole walking down the aisle and, and everything. So 
she had a priest from Poland who had bailed on her, and she said she needed a priest. And I said, I'll be your priest. And so she <laughs> she taught me. She gave me the script. I still didn't speak Japanese very well at this time, and she gave me the script all all written out in in you know in English letters. Yeah, but letters. so I just I memorized the sounds, and she she gave me a tape recorder. And she recorded herself saying it, so I would listen to her, and I would say it, and I'd listen to her, and I'd say it. So for about a month, I practiced. Oh, this. you had a month's time. That's, yeah, that's not bad. Oh, it was good, and I so I practiced this thing. I could say it with my eyes closed, and then. So then I started doing weddings on the weekends and I would do, you know, three to four weddings. <laughs> I would show up and the first time I did it, I'm saying these, I'm making these noises with my face. I have no idea what it means. And people are standing up and people are sitting down and everyone's doing everything <laughs> I tell them to do. That's hilarious. And then, oh, it was crazy. I had the full, like, you know, the full priest garb on and stuff. Like and also traditional Western style or is that something? So I was wearing Catholic robes. Yeah. But to them, to them, it's not... Um, it's not uh, the the wedding is just a ceremony. So like my signature, you know, my my signature is floating around at about four hundred wedding certificates in Japan. Or, but it didn't it that didn't have authority. They go down to the city yes. office and mm-hmm. get the rubber stamp or whatever. It's just the 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 play, right? Yeah, in yeah, just the yeah. yeah, just the ceremony of it. I get it. Yeah, it was cool. So cool. Wow. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun. Uh, you were an experience. Full-time priest in Japan for two years. Yeah, just part-time. Part <laughs> that was in my weekend gig, and then I would teach teach English on like That's privately. It was a good gig. Yeah, cool. And you were able to stick around out of the weddings, or was it no, more like a no? They were just in and out. So a wedding would be an hour block. The ceremony would take half an hour. Mm. Then people would take off. At, at the top of the next hour, there would be a whole new crew in there. It sounds that, so organized. Very Japanese. <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. That's amazing. Yeah, and they paid well too. Wow. Uh, did you get lunch break though? Uh no, I'd come there in the afternoon and they usually start at noon and so we'd have a, a mm. wedding at noon, one, two and maybe three. Yeah. But uh and then we'd walk across the road and I'd uh there'd be a flower garden and then people would line up and they we would come and I would throw the throw the first thing of flowers and tell them whatever I said and then they would walk and all the family would throw flowers. Did you ever did you know what you were saying? In a way, I learned it. Yeah, as I as I began to speak more, I I learned what I was saying. Did you alternate it? <laughs> no, no, I stick to the script. Uh, were you thinking about it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of power you got there. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, okay, that's cool. cool. I was worried because my my grandma was cat. You know, she's Catholic, and uh, mm. I was worried that she would be upset that I was being a, a fake priest. You know, yeah. But I told her, and she thought it was hilarious. She was, you know, telling everyone we got a priest in the family and saw the humor in the whole thing. Yeah, but no, it's good to be open about that. I think it's a, if that's how they want to celebrate it, right? And it's nothing official. It's just a signature. Yeah, to them, it's just there's a, no connection to the. To it's the, just like a play. Totally. Yeah, yeah. it's Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like that. Oh, it's beautiful culture, man. They're very. You get the sense we get. We don't. Uh, understand how old cultures can be when living in canada it's true where the oldest institutions are maybe 200 years old you know and you go there and there's like a building that's been standing for 1500 to 2000 years Mm. and there have been people using it that whole time you know and and people have deep connections to you know different regions and and you know very proud eh? like and they they were so eager to to share it like as a if you're a foreigner there who who wants to learn about Japanese culture, they're super happy to, to mm-hmm. take you places and show you show you things. And 
they'd ask me questions like, what's a Canadian food? And I think, man, what is a Canadian food? I like poutine, right? Yeah. That's the one, but most of our foods, like they come from other places, you know, mm. they're, they're, uh, so that, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I mean, coming from, from Europe, you get that same, same sense, right? Like, the age of things yes yeah. yeah 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 i know i like one of the beers i used to drink it's like original brewed in u1000 <laughs> it's like yeah. thousands of years later we still drink it still doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's you know it's just because there was nobody here at that time right there's just not that culture and they were yeah. the indigenous people were here but yeah i mean that's a whole different story so i don't know i i feel i feel like japan would be a good place to go i like japan i recommend it yeah very safe as well when were you down there uh 2007 and 2009 okay yeah yeah that's good you were there before the whole fukushima i was yeah yeah were you in that area no okay. i was in osaka okay yeah oh, osaka yeah, yeah. sounds familiar cool yeah and then you came back and then you said okay i'm gonna be a paramedic Yeah, I decided there when uh, that I wanted to come back and do that. Mm. And uh, so I started applying to schools. And I was going to go to school in Toronto. And so I was going to stay an extra year, keep doing the, the, the kickboxing thing. But then Con College here called me. They had a last-minute cancellation, and I got a spot here. So it worked out well. Mm. Were you back. original from Thunder Bay then? Yeah. 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 That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And that's how long is the program? It's two years. Two years? Mm -hmm. That's not bad. Yeah. And then you, I don't know how it is, but they face you in with part-time first and then it's full-time or how does it go? Yeah. Yeah. You got to do the part-time thing. And yeah. 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 I, I like it. It's a good opportunity to, there's always a lot of learning, you know, like it's all about people and talking mm. to people and, and, uh, it's good. Mm. Do you find it challenging sometimes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do you disconnect? Uh, yeah, I try not to disconnect maybe okay I, i think you get into trouble with uh yeah you, you it's easy to not not connect emotionally for the most part when you're when you're on a call because you got something to do mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah like i got you're in the moment yeah you get tunnel vision yeah. on you know you you know your job you know your drill yeah. but afterwards afterwards um yeah kids kids are the toughest mm. any any kid call and especially since i i have um yeah since i had a kid i think they did this exercise once they i think they do them once in a while where they have a simulation of a training simulation yeah and there are also um like it's just actors right mm -hmm. and you know that as a professional right. but it gets so close to you like when they had don't know where i heard it but i think they had an exercise in the city and they were also kids and they were hurt And, you know, there were people afterwards they just resigned because, like, it's just, it, even though it was an exercise, it was just right. too much. Yeah. Yeah, kids are tough, man, because you, you just can't help but see your child in that situation. Or not, not even if you don't have children, it's just as powerful, but mm. it's, kids are hard. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, that job to me is like, uh, it's like golf. You golf? No. No? Anyway, <laughs> I don't golf a lot, but I golf enough That I hit an okay shot. Yeah. I hit a good shot once in a while. Good. And that good shot is the one that keeps you coming back, you know? So, like, mm. you know, it's pretty common to do a lot of stuff that's that's not fun. And then you get 
one call where you, you feel like you really help somebody you really, and it reminds you of why you started doing it in the first place. Yeah. And that's what kind of like stokes the fire to keep, keep coming back. You know, you always get those good shots. Yeah. Is that because you started it because you wanted to help people? Yeah. 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 My brother and I had a, had a car accident and, uh, got a ride in an ambulance. And I just remember thinking we, we both fell asleep. We were coming from work, driving to my grandma's um, birthday party, and I had fallen asleep in the passenger seat, and he fell asleep in the driver's seat. Mm. And we crossed the crossed the lane and hit a, a transport, who just saw us in time that we hit the side of him and scraped all the way along the oh boy at at highway speeds. And I had the feeling of, you know, flew forward and hit against the the seatbelt and came back and looked over and saw my brother had kind of glass sprayed in his face and stuff and and but in the moment before i opened my eyes i had that that feeling of um i went through everything went through the whole thing like I, I thought we were gonna die yeah. and i i saw kind of the whole play of my of my life up to that oh, point wow. and then that day my brother was 19 and he had went to the bar and we worked for a construction company he ended up he ended up sleeping in and I was mad at him that day because I was calling him and he wouldn't, he wasn't at work. And I, and so I, I yelled at him when he got there. And so the whole, my whole play of my life came up to that day. That's crazy. And I remember I yelled at my brother the last day, the last day we're here, I yelled at him, you know? And, um, and for about two weeks after that, I just, the world was completely different. Like I, I would kind of look at someone and I would feel like I could see, you know, see them as a kid and then see them as an old person at the same time. It was a mm. just a, a real different window. And I knew that I wanted to be around life and death. Like I wanted that, I wanted that, I don't know, that element of life close to me. And, and, uh, and then, you know, then we went to the, to the Nipigon hospital in the ambulance. And I remember looking, looking around and talking to the guy and, and it planted the seed. So it wasn't until 10 years later that I, I did paramedic school, but yeah. kind of planted the seed for me. And, and, uh, I love it, man. I still do it, you know, by choice. I still like that job a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though we got the business and stuff, I, I would have a hard time letting it go because I like the people and I like, uh, I just like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a huge job. The being a paramedic and being there first and yeah. taking care of people. Yeah. I have, I have huge respect for that. Did you, were you seriously hurt there? No, no, I wasn't hurt. He, my brother, he was he, small injury to his leg. Wow! So super you guys lucky. Got super, lucky. super lucky. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have been more lucky. You believe in guardian angels or something? Something, man, something. Yeah, especially you say you saw everything, right? Yeah, mm. yeah, like that. That uh, yeah, what they say that whole reel of the of life coming up because I was sleeping, and so that. You know, in the in the time it took for the, you know, for me to hit the end of my seatbelt and my head to whip back, you saw it all. Saw it all. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is. And then you said you had this feeling for two weeks where you saw life differently. Is it like you saw? What do you mean by that? I know you explained it, but I want to go a little bit more into it, if you want. Yeah, it felt like it, it felt like. um you know how we're, we we feel like we experience life moment by moment by moment by moment and you know we can only see 
we're kind of stuck in in certain points in time mm. and i just felt like there was a there was a the line was kind of blurred between you know what's right now and and what like just see a bigger kind of slice of of life maybe of reality yeah. than 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 just this this moment in time and it was it was very uh very um salient to me for those two weeks and i remember thinking wow this is my this is my new this is the way <laughs> the way i see the world now and then it it slowly just kind of went away it was just mm-hmm. a little yeah it was strange and i just remember thinking that it, it was that that close brush with with the end you know with 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 death and i thought i want to be around that i want to be around the the realist of the mm. like yeah birth and life and you know I had a similar kind of feeling when my son was born like it's just so real you know yeah and 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 of that even though we we go to horrible situations you know as a in with the ambulance it's it's almost sometimes it's an honor to be a part of it you know mm-hmm. because it's it's so heavy and and we get to have moments you know you have moments with somebody who just lost their their partner of, of how many years and when we have to say sorry there's nothing else we can do and then you sit with them you know you sit with them and you wait for the police to show up or whatever the the next part of the yeah. process is and when i first started you know i felt kind of lot like i didn't know what my place was and 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 the there's one call in in particular i remember this this woman it was that situation had just lost her husband and she was standing there and i knew she needed a hug like in her you know her body language said she needed she needed someone to hug her you know mm. and i didn't because i was new and i thought and i i just felt so terrible about not doing that you know and so so now if it's called for i i do it and do you like how does that go do you say do you ma'am do you need a hug or sometimes can I be just, there for you or just a hand on the shoulder if they just a just any physical contact you know yeah and usually just put a hand on the shoulder when i say how sorry i am and and yeah you just it just flows eh? yeah if yeah you don't yeah you just kind of know if it or yeah. whatever everybody is the same in that moment right there's no boundaries no no, no. we had um my, my first year there's a fella he, he was he was um dying and his whole family was dying so he wanted to pass away in his in his camp and so we drove all the way out there um when he died and we got there and he had a dnr a do not resuscitate order you know you can sign that say do not whatever i don't want okay. cpr done kind of thing yeah but they couldn't find it and uh oh, so no. we got there and so his his wife and his kids and his kids kids there was there was about 12 people there and he had passed away peacefully and you know he's like he's still warm and everything so and they couldn't find the dnr or so by law we're supposed to begin you know and so we're thinking oh god what do we what do we do here and then they found it so we didn't have to and and we were way out of town so we had to wait for the police to come because anytime there's a death in the home the police have to come yeah and we sat there for 40 minutes with them and the wife she made tea and we sat down and you know just asked like who was he like what did you do you know mm. and for them to have somebody from outside the family that they could tell their stories about you know the grandfather that they loved and the father that they loved it just seemed like such a such a cathartic experience for them so being 
that's what I mean by it feels like an honor. It feels like a privilege to be able to be that person that, that someone can, can, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of something special. It's ancient, you mm-hmm. know, like people have been losing people for forever, forever, you yeah. know? And, and, uh, I think it's, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of learning to, to be had from, mm-hmm. from being close to that process. And we're, we're, we're pretty insulated from the death process for the most part. And it's true. Yeah. That's the fascination, like also the, that's the wrong question, but I mean like you, do you like working close to death with, for that reason? I, I think so. I think that's why. I think, um, yeah, and I think, you know, anybody in that field will tell you that they don't, they don't, uh, you know, it's terrible what happens to people. They don't like that that happens, but they they like being the person who shows up when, when somebody needs somebody or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure doctors feel the same way. Everybody feels the same way. It's just, they, they, uh, someone has to be there to help them. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, that's the, if you're, I think if you're drawn to that field, that's, it's because you, you, that's what you want to do. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing mm. that you do that. Thank you. Oh, thanks for asking. Do you, do you, I use, is that why you're obsessed with physical fitness? In a way where you reflect on your body and we all realize, hey, we are getting, we're getting older? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That has a big, that has a big, uh, you know, I, I like to go, we've got a paddleboard this year and I like to go out to the marina and paddle out to the, to the lighthouse and watch the sun come up. How far is that? Eh, it takes like 20 minutes. It's, okay. a, it's a quick one. But it, you know, just going out there and, and I would do it every day if I could, mm. but I got to work most days and, you know. Yeah, you run your business too. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, I get once or twice a week, but you never know which time, which one's going to be your last one, you know. Mm. And I, I don't mean that I could die, but things could happen. I could get injured. This could, I could never, this could never happen again, you know. And, and the same thing with every time you work out, if you're, if you're training and you like doing it, like you never know what true. which one like everything ends and the, the last time you do something you never know when that moment is the last time you did something right yes <laughs> you know and, yeah. and uh you don't expect that at all no life feels like it's forever in a way yeah if, if i reflect on my time back it just feels like yeah i've been always here <laughs> right <laughs> do you know yeah do you feel that way too yeah in a way or maybe different for you i guess no it, it feels like both I find that with, with, uh, since we had our son in, in a way it feels like we've had him forever. Cause I can't, it's hard to, it's hard to picture mm. life before him. Yeah. But then in another way, it feels like it's so quick. Like he was, he was just a baby not yeah. too long ago, you know? I know. So it's weird how time is, how we experience time. Yeah. When did you meet Tracy? We met in, uh, when I was in college and she worked at the college. Okay. And I remember seeing her. And, and, uh, she'd wear these, these great dresses and, and stuff. And, Mm. and then, but she was married at the time. And then she started working out at, uh, CrossFit and I was coaching at CrossFit. Okay. And, uh, and she was, yeah, she was married. So, and then she, when she, uh, when she split with, with, uh, with her husband at the time, she messaged me and I noticed that her name wasn't hyphenated anymore. I was like, huh, 
it's weird, but I'm so dumb. It didn't even clue into me that that's why she was messaging me, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so she started talking to me and stuff. And then when it finally clued in, I was like, whoa. And because I knew that, yeah, and it just, everything changed. Like, you know that I had always had that feeling in past relationships where I was like, ah, I don't know, is this, is this how it's supposed to feel? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm forcing it. I, I can't see myself being you know, with this person forever, like mm. all those doubts, you know, it's those true. Doubts. Yeah. And then Tracy and I got together and it was just like, this is it. Like this is, she's That's the, it. she's the one. I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's true. And, and it's been like the, the, the things that have happened in my life since we've, since we've, we've gotten together, like have been, yeah, incredible. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you guys uh, have been doing a lot. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been awesome. When, I talked a little bit with Tracy about the afloat. Yeah. I want to touch base on that too with you because it's your partner of that, right? You guys, you do both do it together. This is you yeah. as well. Do you co cooperate that in your training with the floating? Yeah. It's a, it's a great recovery that, and you know, I don't, I don't do it as we used to do it. When we first opened, we did it every day mm -hmm. and then I would do it, you know, a few times a week and then, um, it's just like a hot tub maybe when you first get the hot tub you, yeah, you yeah, run yeah. in the hot tub the every time. night yeah. yeah but now I mean it's still every time I get in there it's still it's such a profound experience for me and, and uh, I get the same uh, the same kind of feeling as uh, yeah when floating is, is because you, you're taking away all the external stimulations and and mm over time you, you kind of loop it loosens that boundary between you know you and your physical surroundings you know? yeah i wanted to i wanted to ask you do you, do you go places like I, in your mind yeah. i don't know about like yeah, whatever yeah. but did you like you think and you something's happening do you feel like because you say you have this the boundary right right yeah i i find it just to be uh you know if you're familiar with with meditation and and, mm -hmm. and um you know, the whole goal is kind of loosening that or, or kind of weakening that attachment to self, you know, which is like the dividing line between you and other, right? And yep. and because a lot of the hang-ups we have is because we're so attached to what we think is me and mine and, and whatever, what I want and what's not mine. And um, that I find the the tank is such a great way to, to experience a, a piece of that because you're, you're lying there, you kind of lose feeling of the water even holding you. Mm. You lose feeling of, of gravity. And, um, and when there's dark and there's no, no sound and you just feel like it just seems to kind of weaken that, that boundary between what's you and what's not you. So that weakens that hold yeah. on. You, would you say it's like a window that opens up? Yeah, for me it is. It's, yeah. it's profound, you know, and, and I've tried, um, you know, I've tried floating with cannabis and with, with psilocybin and stuff. And, and, um, for me floating, um, completely sober and lucid, it's, it's, it's even more, it's more profound for me. And, and okay. I, like, I, I rarely do it any other way that, uh, and you'd think that you would ruminate, you know, you think that you would, if you were upset about something, like you'd lie there and, uh, and just think about it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've gone there after, bad ambulance calls and and floated and and you'd think that you just lie there and replay things but it's the complete opposite like it, it just seems to 
you know, just kind of open up space and, and allow that, that part of your brain that wants to hang on and, and kind of rehash car conversations and arguments and stuff. And that, that part kind of goes offline and, and you just have the experience of just being, and, you, and I get to feel like you get the experience of just breathing. You get to feel how your body feels. You get to feel how it feels when your when your muscles kind of let go of their tension, and you can feel that happening. And just strip everything away, and you feel what it feels like to just be. You know, mm. not doing anything. How just how it feels to just be you. You know. Yeah. And uh, and it's yeah. Not every time. Every every float is different. And sometimes it's easy to get there, and sometimes it's it's harder to get there, you know. Mm. But it's it's really valuable to me. Does it give you the view, like you explained when you had that accident, when you saw people differently for two weeks? Does that do that to you? It it makes me feel. The first time we did it, I felt like because I'd had experience with meditation, and the first time we did it, it was about a over a week for me that I had the feeling that I had like a regular meditation practice, which to me, I just feel less reactive. I just feel like there's more space between, you know, something that happens in the environment and when I react, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, it's like that feeling if you're, you know, you've come off vacation and you're kind of at base level, you know, yeah. you're not, you're not wound up. I'm, I'm at a, at a one. I'm not at a six, you know, yeah. out of 10. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel, you know, the more kind of relaxed and the more you can let go of attention consciously, you got you can choose how you react, you know? If somebody, somebody cuts you off in traffic or whatever, instead of, you know, if you're at a six already, before you know it, your, your hand's out the window and you're giving them the finger kind What? of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, I always see those people. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? What's wrong with you? What if you... <laughs> you should go float. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no i love this place i gotta go i gotta i have to check it out come Be by man yeah come by Lisa wants so, to do we'll it do too. a stretch and yeah. go have a float yeah i have to go i really want to try it out because i think it's i think it's very beneficial for us as human beings to have that moment of yeah. uh, opportunity and then plus what that does to the body too yeah like the mind and body what it works oh. together and yeah i come out every time I come out, even when I went in, if I didn't feel stressed out or, or wound up, when I come out, I realize like that I was at a six or a seven or an eight. And when I come out, I'm at a one and just like, mm. oh, man. And it, the feeling is like, you know, you're walking around with your fist clenched and you don't even realize that, oh, I can just not clench my fists anymore. Yes. You know? And it, it's hard to do in a short amount of time. That's why, you know, you float for 90 minutes or as long as you want. And you got the time to just let it go. And you can't force yourself to relax or try to relax. You have to just relax. There's no, like Yoda said, there's no try. Because when you put that effort into like, okay, get there, let's just relax. Mm. You're putting effort and you're, you're actually kind of tensing up, if that makes any sense. You got to just kind of give it time and just breathe and just let, let it go. Mm. When did you float for the first time on that trip down to, um, was it Minneapolis? Yeah. 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 Okay. And then our second one was in our place mm. like a year later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. You did it once and then I said, okay, I'm going to get my own tanks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I love that that we have this in town. Yeah. Really nice. Man.
And then you combine it. You built that gym there now too. Yeah. Yeah. We got uh, 500 juggling balls coming in. Ooh. And uh, going to start teaching, uh, selling our juggling balls. And I'll teach juggling to anybody who wants to learn. Mm. Where do you get 500 juggling balls from? Uh, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Wow. That mm. must be special juggling balls. Yeah, they're going to say a float and everything. Yeah. They're good ones. Ah, they're real okay. good ones. Yeah, yeah, the microphones I have are from Australia too. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's an Australian brand. I was like, yeah, okay. I heard good stuff about them and they're like, they're, they're a good brand. It's not like over the top amazing, but it's just like perfect for what we do here. Yeah. And then uh, it's from Australia and I like it. Cool. <laughs> have you ever been? To Australia? Uh, just once. Okay. Just to, I went to Sydney last year for, yes. that, for that training. And yeah. it was, a, I think, eight days, mm. not even, seven days total. Did you see kangaroos? I didn't. No. Okay. No, I didn't see as much as the, much of the... Um, They're good fighters too. Wildlife. Right? That's what I heard. <laughs> you got to watch them. They box. They can throw some punches. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So... <sighs> Do you feel like so you said you want to teach people how to juggle? Like you have a lot of knowledge in your expertise with training, um, and then the whole thing you do with the handstand. Is it what is what would be the proper term for that? Like body um, control? No, yeah. but like I just call it skill work. Really, like skill the, work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the the next phase of of a float. Yeah, and people um, need to learn that, right? Yeah, and I want to I want to teach the the flexibility and the handstands and the juggling mm. first, um, and the flexibility in in a way um, a means of training flexibility that you can fit in with your workout. So it's not going to change what you're doing because that's that's a, a big barrier. A lot of people have to wanting to they know they need to stretch they know they need to improve their range of motion stuff but they like what they're doing so much that it's hard to take time away because we're all so busy as well so um yeah a means of of training flexibility like strength training that you can fit into your to your weekly i like that your weekly thing that's a good idea Mm -hmm. my physiotherapist said yeah do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at the night for the stretches and you know it's possible but that's extra 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. If if I could combine it and just mm-hmm. do 10 in each. Yeah, and you I mean you can you can kind of undulate your training it like sometimes you go a little bit heavier into the flexibility and you back off the strength stuff to give yourself a break, kind of dial in more on this side and then yeah. and then go into a, a new cycle where you're you're doing more strength and stuff. It's a it's a good way to do it. And the skill stuff as far as learning how to juggle and learn how to handstand it's just such a a driver for self-belief you mm. know if if you're someone who thought i could never do a handstand or it didn't even seem like a possibility to you and then you know you you start working on the on the shoulder mobility and the wrist stuff and and all of a sudden it seems possible and mm. then you hit your first handstand like it's it's a huge change kind of paradigm shift for for what you see your physical potential as yeah so that's the real value in that stuff for me and it's just fun to do i i think so yeah it's a body control like that's what i feel like when i see you do this those things that you have your body in control yeah i can tell you a funny handstand story of mine (laughs) (laughs) i was i was in grade seven or six i don't know super young and um we I, sport is a class 
in high school or whatever school that was. And then we had like seasonal, we would have swimming. Okay. Just certain grades. And yeah. so, so I, I had swimming that year. And then I, um, with the school, was it with the school? I think so. And then I, there was always a mini pool. It's just super hot. Right. With the little ones. And then the big pool, which is super cold. And that's particular one. I was in the mini pool and I was doing handstands like a superstar. <laughs> and then I was just, I lost it in one of them. And I just, Actually, I needed six, five, four stitches on my chin because my chin just dived into the oh, bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got up and I was like blood everywhere. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then my sport teacher, he drove me to the hospital. That's funny. Yeah. And then I, I could skip it for five or six weeks because you can't go swimming with stitches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you you can't tell now because there's a beard but that happened that's my like i don't do handstands no that's something like you you do this handstand for a minute right uh not always but that that minute i've just seen how long i could yeah i bring this up particular because you you posted about this and you you said there was a boundary of 50 seconds Oh yeah, and the mental border that right. just appeared. Yeah, seemed like it. Yes, it seemed like there was like around fifty seconds would be. It's almost like the body tells you you can't do it anymore. Yeah, but the mind can take care of that. Yeah, and almost when you're conscious of it, you know, if I knew I was getting up to fifty seconds, I might be fine. Forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-nine. Then all of a sudden, oh, here comes fifty. Oh no, that's where I lose it. Oh, here I go, and then mm. I'm done. It, um, you kind of psych yourself out like you set those those limitations for yourself and do you think it's the same thing if you count your reps you would do more reps if you don't count them maybe because it does feel like you start getting a 10 and oh, oh i'm 20 uh, oh it. i can't do anymore that's it yeah yeah you think that's i think that's true right i do i yeah. do yeah. you count your reps ah uh, yeah yeah mm. well because usually i'm following some kind of yeah program or rep scheme how or did you get over the 50 seconds just not counting anymore. Uh, I just kept doing it. I I actually wasn't didn't try it for a long time. Like my a max hold. Yeah, been doing the press handstand work and then a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then decided to just um, just time one or video one and see how long I could hold. And ended up being just over a minute. And thought it was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know anybody else who can do handstand for a minute and a bit more. No, ninety seconds. That's next. That's next, next level target. stuff. Next target. Yeah. <laughs> I find like when I look at your posts and I see you as a year ago, you seem like a different person. Oh, yeah? Mm. Like you changed a lot within one year. Physically, what you can see at, when I look at your pictures. Yeah. It's just like, it's, you don't even seem like the same person. Really? Eh? Mm. I feel di- I feel different. Yeah. Yeah. I'll it be- shows. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel... My, my training's been best it's ever been okay. in terms of you know the mix of strength training and flexibility and mm-hmm. and just dialing into those rhythms of of kind of pushing hard and recovering and knowing when to back off and push and yeah it's uh just getting smarter as i get older i guess yeah yeah but it's and and the real movement stuff i mean that was a year ago that i went to do that so i've been doing that, ah, that training okay. and it's just been fantastic because it's it's uh you know, my first exposure to weight training was CrossFit, and I, f- I fell in love with it. Did when did the CrossFit 
certification and CrossFit coaching and stuff. And why do people hate CrossFit? Um, I don't know because they feel like it's it's it can be it can seem culty, but it's just because people get so into it that, that that's all they want to talk about. And okay. I was that guy. I was that guy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, CrossFit was everything, uh, yeah. and I mean I'm like that with every new thing. Like I won't shut up about breathing and juggling and whatever, mm. but. Um, it's great. I mean, CrossFit has exposed the world to so much, like, you know, Olympic lifting and gymnastic strength and all that stuff, like, was completely invisible in the strength world before. Yeah. Like, to buy a set of Olympic rings used to be, like, $120. Now you can pick them up for 30 bucks because there's such a demand wow. for them. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that that style of training and, and my personality, it just lifted way too heavy all the time pushed way too hard all the time and just felt terrible you know like my body felt terrible and now i'm i'm training hard but way smarter my body feels better than i did when i was 20 yeah you know i'll be 40 40 in a month here yeah nice yeah that's something to be proud of yeah it feels great man and i feel like i could feel better when i'm 50 i i I feel like i really can yeah 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 do you feel like your partner, Tracy, you guys like pushing each other along a lot? Because you obviously both of you are like physical um, obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, no, no, no. I mean, like you are, you, you put in the work to have the benefits of that labor for right. your life, right? Yeah. It, uh, does it help? Oh, for sure. Is it competitive? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. No, no, she's, she's, uh, kind of both have her own things and don't, yeah, I don't force my. Mm. I I mean, I tell her to stretch all the time, and she but, and and she does. And she feels way better. You know what the big one is for us is the is the eating. Like mm. we're both on the same page with with diet, you know. And she helped me a ton. You know, when we got together, I still ate a lot of sugar, mm. and had the sweet tooth, or I thought I had a sweet tooth. You know, again, just one of those ideas in my in my head that I thought was me. Mm. And she she doesn't at all. Like even when she was a kid, and and like her thing is salty food, salty chips would be her a treat for her, you know. Yeah. So when we got together, if I didn't buy buy something sweet, she it, she never did, so it wasn't in the house. And as soon as we stopped eating sugar, the or as soon as I stopped eating sugar, she never did. The diet thing became so easy, you know. Like we just don't we don't eat it, and I mean I think that's such a overlooked piece of the puzzle like the our our kind of reliance on carbohydrates as as um as a fuel source mm. and you just you don't you don't need them <laughs> i know people hate to hear that but okay and and you know the whole thing about diets and, and counting calories and stuff like that like if you kind of shift the way you you eat you know a little heavier to the protein fat side mm. your your body just burns fuel differently like you you your body burns fat you know mm-hmm. like and and where if you if you rely on sugar all the time whether whatever form you take it in then your body burns sugar and and, and stores fat you know and it's just a yeah the whole diet thing i mean mm-hmm. we're just on the same page and i found it so much easier to maintain a kind of certain level of fitness because i know how to eat now like i know i know what works for you it works for me yeah, yeah. and and like I used to train way harder and, and not get nearly the results I'm getting now, even at, at 40, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever try vegan? Uh, no, I tried vegetarian when I was, um, 
when I was uh, early 20s. Mm. And um, I wasn't doing it right, though, you know. And, and like I, so yeah. yeah. I just think it. Um, I did vegan for a while. Is it how'd that go? I felt like I, it felt great first. And then I did it, I think I did it for two years. Yeah. And then I, eventually I just didn't get enough. It yeah. felt for me, for what I do, I felt like I'm, I felt like I'm losing it. Right. And even though I did take supplements and stuff, like I tried, mm-hmm. but as soon as I switched over, like it's a totally different game. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it yeah. felt good when I did it, but you know, it wasn't the right thing for me. So right. anybody else might work for them, but not for me. It seems I've heard that from a lot of people. Short term, they feel really good, mm. but then over the longer term, you know, I don't know how. I just couldn't keep up, you know. Yeah, and I tried. I I tried to do some uh, high protein, not carnivore or however you say it, carnivore. Carnivore, yeah, yeah. I didn't do it hundred percent, but yeah, you know. But I need carbs. Oh yeah, everybody needs carbs. Like when I say lower carbs the the one that um where i started like 10 years ago was the, with the zone diet remember that one no so it was 40 percent carbs 30 protein 30 fat okay. which is still like you're getting the bulk of your calories from from carbohydrates you know, as you know as far as and uh i just like just such a rapid shift in my my body composition and 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 lean muscle mass and stuff and that's kind of how i eat now like i i use carbs around um my uh, exercise so my if i if i work out then i i eat a little more carbs you know what i mean i i dial I my to, yeah you have dial to, my uh, carb intake to to mm. but if i if if, if i you take train a less and off, you would eat more protein yeah and it's become intuitive now like i don't even mm. but uh i hear you I, i've noticed now with my bike where i step it up a little bit yeah i have to eat more carbs like pasta or rice right i have to otherwise i don't have to the power yeah it's not there yeah it loads it up overnight and then it's there again yeah 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 <laughs> man i know you just gotta f- feel what works for you my old coach at my swimming team always said eat a lot of pasta at night with apple juice <laughs> <laughs> because it gives you the sugar and the carbs yeah and then you set for the next day when the competition is right right yeah the carb loading yeah it was yeah. good yeah and it works but i you know i try to reduce it when I was hurt and it worked, but as soon as I step up cardio, yeah. I do need it. Yeah. But you can play around with it, just like you said. You can find that balance. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever find that you were gaining a lot of weight? And uh, like, I, for example, if I don't, when I eat too much, I know my belly is the first spot where it all goes. Yeah. Is it the same for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's uh, very typical man stuff, yeah. right? And that's that's the dangerous fat too, the be- the visceral fat they call mm-hmm. it. And it has a it has a a worse metabolic effect than like the pear shape. You know what I mean? The, the uh, no, that's what they say anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I know. For me, if I I told Lisa I'm being physically active, so I can lift all the babies. There you go. It works. Yeah. Yeah. And, totally. and and I have the energy. Yeah. And for me, it's very big on stress, like to let go of things. I'm, oh, it's so great. It's just for me. Hey, I want to bring up cold showers real quick. Yeah, man. You do them? Yep. Okay. Yeah. How long? 
Uh, usually I get in and I, I get into a warm shower and I soap up when it's warm yeah. just cause I feel, I feel like it helps. Cl- and then, yeah, but it's like not like normal warm temperature. It's already like lukewarm, isn't it? Yeah. No, I do like a, like a hot shower. I'll step into a hot shower for every morning. Okay. I'll soap up and then I turn it completely cold and then I rinse off. Now I'm committed because it's cold and I got to rinse all the shampoo out of my hair and, and uh. rinse all the soap off. And then, and it makes you get, get it everywhere too, because you, if you, if you rinse off first and then do the cold, you'll be like, eh, I'll put my arm in or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it makes you get the cold water everywhere because you got to get all the soap off. And I just find it's a great way. Why is it that you, when the cold water hits, especially your head, you have to breathe so much faster? Like it's a shock. Yeah. You know what? I don't know why that is, why that, that, uh, but Working with that impulse, like that, because the impulse is to pull away and mm. to tighten up and to breathe shallower. So if you can just repeatedly do it and just breathe through your nose and relax, it's that leaning into discomfort again. And it's, it's, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of value to it. And I find for my mood, I, my mood is incredible after I have a cold shower. Mm. Like it just, it just, I don't know what it does. Is you awake? Yeah. You're yeah. awake and I'm just calm and. Yeah, I do. I start not anymore really warm. For me, it's like lukewarm. And it's almost like when I go into the shower and it's warm, it's like, oh, I don't want to have it warm. It's like, it's just too hot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But I'm not there where it's all the way down. Yeah. Like I have a, maybe, I have like 20, 30% left. Right. Because mine is not just, you can't just have cold only or hot only. Yeah, it's the mixer. Right? It's, the, um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very tricky. Yeah. Is yours separate? No, we get the mixture too. Okay. But yeah, you in the wintertime, it's a lot cold. Like, it's because it's cold coming from outside. Ah. I think it's pretty cold, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's good. We're going to get a, a freezer this year for when it, uh, like a deep freeze that we can fill with water. Mm-hmm. And then we could do cold stuff in the back too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Right. It's good for you, man. <laughs> it's good for you. And why? I, last year, because we did so much cold stuff coming up to winter. So like from September right until the the river froze, we were swimming in there a couple times a week. And last year was the easiest winter I felt like as far as my, how I felt temperature wise. Uh, it was just never cold, you know? Okay. Yeah. Is that the body gets adjusted to I it? I think so. Yeah. And they say you, you produce, uh, your body creates more brown fat, which mm-hmm. has some kind of thermic effect. But okay. Yeah. Is this the same as heat proteins the other way around? I don't know. Probably, probably something similar. Yeah. Just in a, your body adapts to mm. adapts to what you, you put it through. Okay. So what would be your tip to for somebody to go into five minutes of cold shower? How do, I, how do just you? start, start with, start with 10 seconds, like do, do your regular shower and then, yeah, just pick a time, turn it cold and then, If all you got to think about is just breathe through your nose. Don't let your mouth open. Okay. Just do it for 10 seconds and then put it back warm. And then, you know, you could do that every day for, for five days and then then do 20 seconds and then do 30 seconds and then do, um, like I said, finish your shower with, with cold, like do the last half or whatever. Mm. And then just work up to, then just step into a cold shower and, and, and it's, it's all learning all the way up. So it's just seeing you get to watch how your body reacts, how you react to, to that stress. Because that's what it is. It's just a stress. And and, uh, and if you can kind of detach from that emotional kind of um, response yeah. and just watch how your physiology responds that and that tightening and stuff, and just because you're going against what, what you would naturally do. Like you, you want to pull away 
and and tighten up and we're asking you to just kind of relax and lean in you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah in germany we when i used to swim we had this this swimming area our home base uh, public swimming area and inside and the, the shower room you had like 12 showers and, right. the, and one shower was cold shower only. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Somebody fought for the 11 that... Yeah, somebody yeah. was like, this is a cold shower only. Yeah. And I remember always the older guys on the team, which were like maybe 20, 25, right? Some of them would always use it. Oh, really? And we all would just say, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> because we were just like, we don't want to do this. We just like warm showers. Why would you do a cold shower if you don't have to? <laughs> But you know, and now here I am and I'm doing it myself. Nice. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. No, I like it. Do you do anything with heat too? Uh, sauna when I can. We've, we've got an infrared sauna at our house. Mm. Like one of those, uh, you know what I'm talking about? The little booth ones. It's it's not a... I'm not doing no, no, no. Yeah, it's just like, it's, uh, I don't know what the elements are. It's some kind of mineral or whatever, but it just heats up and it gets hot. But it's it's much different from a, like a like a traditional sauna mm, because no steam, no steam, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's and you sweat a lot, but uh, real sauna is where it's at mm. for sure. Would you train in a sauna? Would I train in a sauna? Yeah. Uh no, probably not. Okay, but um, sauna is a great place to do breath work, like mm, just why? just focus on your breathing because you are isolated. Or? Yeah, and I think just because when you're you're dealing with the heat, it's easy. You know, your breath is kind of like an anchor for, for any kind of stress when you're, if it's a stressful situation and just kind of thinking about your breathing and stuff, it's, it seems to be a, a great place to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think we can wrap this up. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. I learned a lot today. Like first part where really technical terms you yeah. brought up <laughs> <laughs> that I probably can't pronounce. But I mean, like, it's good to know all this stuff. It's absolutely amazing. I think you have a lot of potential to help people reach their potential and put that knowledge you have into people and help them. It's almost like a, I wouldn't say coach, it's more like a, a life teacher of skills where you can help people just like you do with the paramedic. It's just on a different level. Yeah, thanks, man. You do the mental stuff with the float. And then the other, all the other aspects. Like, look at me. I'm, I'm. When I did the physiotherapy, the guy said, "Yeah, you're pretty stiff. Like, you're stiff. You, your leg should be way up here, but my leg was only there." Right, right, right. Yeah. And I noticed when I did his stretches, it went, it went better, but yeah. it was too early in the injury. Right. Yeah, you still got that. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, I actually did the stretches, and the pain got worse. Yeah. So, no, like, whatever he did, maybe he was just not the right guy for me, right? Right. Who knows? Yeah. But, like, flexibility, what you have? Yeah, it's... it's uh, Game changer. It is game changer. It's... it's uh, And I've, I've learned that, too, about stretching the outer... Remember we were talking about, like, the outer range and stuff and going hard into the outer range, especially when someone's in pain. It's not kind of the... You got to kind of work your way around it first, mm. make a little bit of progress and, and you can do um, kind of concentric only inner range stuff mm-hmm. to get a lot of blood flow because that, and then get some healing happening. And then you kind of slowly get into the outer range stuff and it's uh yeah. Yeah. 
got a little more familiarity with how to how to work around injuries now mm-hmm. and um, and that's very valuable mm-hmm. like, because people hurt themselves yeah not everybody knows nor the way they have the resources or the time to figure it out yeah and if there's somebody who has that and they can help that's really good yeah yeah that's the plan man that's that's what i love to do i love it yeah hey I appreciate you being on the show tonight. Me too. And I can't have I can't wait to have you back. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> because you know there's so much more to talk about. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, anytime and and please come for a float, come for a stretch as well. Yeah, I do I will I want to do a stretch with you and see what you do. I'll get you some juggling balls too when they come in. <laughs> <laughs> From Australia. <laughs> I like it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Gavin, thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you all the very best, okay? Thank you very much. Likewise. You take care. You too. Thanks, man.